You are the solution. We are the future. Radically different. Together and unity above all, this is Revolution Radio. Moving forward from centuries of systemic racism is going to take work and honesty with ourselves and each other. We're going to have to have some long overdue, uncomfortable conversations. Racism is not a black and white issue. It's deeply ingrained in our society in ways you might not even realize. We have to recognize the limits of our own perspective and listen to the people that racism affects on a daily basis. Stories from the front lines of the fight for equality, protest tips, ways you can support the revolution even if you can't make it to the front lines, and music to keep up the morale and inspire unity. Revolution Radio has got you covered. Make no mistake, we have a once in a lifetime chance to bring about true positive change in a world that works for all. The power has and always will be with the people. When the rules do not respect some of us, we do not respect the rules. And now your host, Sig Neutron. Hey, what's up everybody? It's your pal Sig Neutron, and we're back for another episode of Resistance Radio. Uh, I am joined with special guest Alexander Williams today. And uh, he was, we met back on Face Off. Um, but we'll get to that in the conversation. Uh, but... I do these intros after I've had the conversation and I take a second to absorb it. And it's just, man, you know, having the conversation with Tiffany yesterday and having talking with Alexander today, it's like I've, I've, I've just learned so much just from two simple conversations. And, I, you know, I hope, I hope you guys are getting as much from this as, as, I, as I am. Um, it's... It's just uh, I don't know. I think it's it's imp- it just feels important, and I'm really thankful for uh, them taking the time to come and talk with me. So, without further ado, uh, enjoy our chat. Alexander, thank you so much for joining me. Good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> that's my uh, that's my announcer intro. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. So we first met on uh, Face Off. Actually, you were uh, you were my very first model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could see me like totally like shitting my pants, like so scared. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forget what 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 you made me into, but I remember you guys had to take take my um, makeup off after the first and only time that you guys did that. And um, yeah, I think that was a pretty awkward situation because we just ate and like. I remember burping and you smelling my burp. It was pretty gross. <laughs> we, just, we just got to know each other right off the bat. <laughs> um, oh, I made you the life warrior. That's I remember. Okay. Yeah. So you do, it was in a church or something, right? Yeah. And I had I was singing that song. I was like, life warrior, fighter of the creepy <laughs> death man. <laughs> oh, my God. And then after that, you were um, you're big tuna as well. Like that, that character is like wildly popular. So... Um, Big Tuna himself, right here. <laughs> Big Tuna, uh, the Chum, uh, Chum, Chum Bucket was oh, it? Oh yeah, Chum Bag. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> chum Bag. Uh, that's some good times, man. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, part of me is kind of glad that I don't do that stuff anymore. But also, there's just something special about um, just being something so incredibly different. Mm-hmm. Um, an alien or a monster, werewolf, vampire thing. I don't know. That's all fun. For sure. 
So uh, today, thank you for being here. Uh, with these, these new episodes of my podcast, I'm trying to talk to as many people of color as I can because I realize, like, and I'm starting to realize from, like, I just did one interview so far yesterday, and I'm realizing that racism is such a, a deeper, not so much as a black and white issue, um, like, in terms of simplicity. It's like it, there's lots of gray areas and underlying racisms and like people that don't even think they're racist have might say racist things because it's all the, like we're we all have these like weird programming things that we operate from. And a lot of people don't even realize that. So what I'm trying to do is like help what I like. I don't know. Just open this up in in genuine, honest ways and see if we can like unpack this and how do we move forward and and how do how can I be the best like white ally and. So I think that the best way to do this is if you, you just want to, um, I'm just going to listen and you want to just tell me your story of growing up with racism and how it's impacted you in your life. Well, I do want to thank you for even, for even doing this and acknowledging that this needs to happen. Um, because there's something about kind of being pushed along the stream. Um, and, and this is kind of what I feel like the experience is like, it's like you're being just pushed down a stream and you're being forced into this tunnel that maybe a, it's a tunnel that you don't belong in, you know, and I feel like the ability to kind of speak about it allows us to kind of deviate from what society thinks we are, um, what people have been told we are, and we get to say like, hey, like I'm a nice guy with a family and this and that, and, and uh, you get to kind of come to a different understanding of what it's like for people like me and people who are not like me, um, who experience, you know, similar forms of kind of like prejudice and discrimination. Um, so I want to thank you for that. Oh, right on. I mean, it's, it's like, it's really the least I could do. You know, it's, I, I the, these kinds of conversations are long overdue. And it's like, I've always, I don't know, it's, I've never seen anything different about any person of color or anything and it's so it's never made sense to me but that doesn't mean that it's like i'm absolutely not going to deny that it is a very real issue and i feel like the denial uh as a society as a whole is something that is hugely setting people of color back you know so I just, the, the, yeah the denial is <clears throat> excuse me uh yeah it's so it's so, it, we we have all these things that we want to be in denial about and i think it's we, we we live in a denial like a state of denial a constant state of denial we, we we're in denial about uh death we're in denial about kind of our impact on other cold uh, uh countries uh, i think we just kind of have taken it and we're just trying to push it as far as we can and we're trying to shape kind of like this bubble of a universe that only we can exist in and any other thing that enters that is just false and untrue and we have to reject it for our own sanity for our own safety for our own kind of um, luxury, I guess, in, in this world. Because um, it is a hard world with lots of pain and suffering. And um, I don't think, I think it's what we're trying to do is push away other people's pain and suffering. Um, so that way we can have the illusion of like a happy life. But I think maybe the most human thing we can do is to bond over that suffering and understand each other's suffering. And maybe the world kind of changes in a positive direction if we were to like, open ourselves up to what that feels like yeah that's, that's powerful man i really do believe that it's if we can really connect uh over that and not deny it and say like yeah i i, I want to hear you like you tell me you, you, like 
show me what like as best you can, you know, best that I can understand that I, cause I'll never know the struggle. Like I'll never know your struggle. You can tell me, but I not like not being able to live it is like, it's almost like you can't understand it. Or, I mean, you can understand, but you, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like, I think that's part of the difficulty too, with, with understanding, I think white people and white privilege, um, is, is like now uh, there's a tendency for white people to feel like, oh crap, like, but I'm not, I had a fight to own my home. Like I had a, um, so, so there's even that, like there's this desire to not be labeled um, and to not be called lucky. Um, and so I, I think we're all kind of in some different phase of their state of it. It's just um, the, the way in which I'm discriminated against um, and the way that shows up uh, might end with, you know, my blood spilling on a street, you know, like over, over some mistaken identity or uh, some indifferent individual or a series of indifferent inv individuals, because there does seem to be that happening too. Like people are showing up and are complicit and it's a group of people like uh, with George Floyd, it's four people, four cops, but also like the, just the authority difference, the power difference. There were a lot of people just standing around watching what was happening um, and they were making like, you know, moves to kind of come and help. That was like an attempt to, but it's just, you don't do that to cops. You don't touch cops. Cops can do whatever you want or whatever they want to you. You, you just can't. So if you're trying to protect somebody, um, you still can't lay a finger on a cop. And, and, and so it's this weird kind of like, I'm going to have my way with you. And because these people are kind of like the sentinels of this country and like, kind of like, um, the muscle that that keeps everything in line. Um, it just sucks when that entity, um, has it out for you both historically. It's not like it's like, some, it's not like it's not untrue. Like it's, it's the truth that they historically had it out for black people and, 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 and Hispanics as well. And just people of color in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it, that's, that's something that, I mean, it, it's, it's almost like, police are absolutely determined right now to display the very behaviors that why people are protesting in the first place. <laughs> it's like, there. it's like, I don't know how any, like, well, I know how, because like people right now, like a lot of white people that have felt comfortable and stuff, their entire worldview is being rocked right now. And like, if there are Trump supporters, like he is failing miserably. They've propped their entire worldview up on one fallible man. And to admit that he's wrong is going to have to be to admit that they are wrong. And they think that police are just the bastion shining example of protect and serve. But really, it, it is so not that. It, it, like, there's evidence like that it's like white supremacists have been infiltrating cops for a long time. Like, I just saw some article about the FBI uh, report. But, you know, it's, it is a huge systemic problem. And so the, the, those people have, to, the white people that are so, like, in this bubble, it's being shattered right now. And, and they're seeing the truth for what it is. If, if, they're, if they're willing to, because you can, you can color that many different things, um, what's happening. Um, so I, 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 on Facebook, um, I'm not as active as, I'm, I'm pretty active in times like this. Um, but I do do a lot of watching and, and I don't unfriend people. Um, and so a lot of the stuff that comes across my feed is unfiltered, multiple different perspectives. And a lot of people are saying like, um, 
this is the most attacked president in the, in the history of the country. Like, there's people come to his defense saying this is the most attacked man in the history of the country, that he inherited a lot of problems. Uh, they, they just have, like, a, ideas about what this president is doing, and they're giving him the benefit of the doubt. So, like, when he went golfing for Memorial Day, they were like, he needs a break. You know, they were saying things like that, like, the guy must be fatigued and tired, which, honestly, yeah, like, <laughs> this has been a really shitty like five or five or six months um and and it hasn't been easy for i think anybody uh, as as it, sh- it shouldn't be easy this is like a global pandemic we're in along with um systemic racism that's been established uh, 400 years ago and it's like still running its way through uh, kind of invisibly or somewhat invisibly you can kind of tell uh, you can see if you look hard at the seams you can kind of see um, but it's just like, there's also this desire to kind of, uh, stand behind your, your person, at least in the, in the communities that, uh, I've befriended people on Facebook. Um, and that's been interesting to kind of see, and that's been the frustrating part is like seeing these people do everything in their power to bend over backwards to make this man look good and sound good when, um, the first thing he did, uh, or not the first thing he did, but pretty soon after George Floyd's death, just the other day, he, uh, I think it was just yesterday, he um, clears out protesters so he can walk across the street to a church and take a photo of himself holding a Bible at a burned-down church. Um, he, it, just for that photo op, he brutalized some, some people. It's so, like, like, medieval, like, royalty, like, feudal... There's just some, and, and people are behind it. Like, it's such a, like, dictatorial, like, like, act. And, and that's just kind of how he's proceeding. Uh, and he's, the first thing he should have done, in my opinion, was find a way to get some common ground um, with the people that are protesting. But instead he said, we're going to dominate the streets. That's his first priority. Um, and so there's just, like, he, I don't understand it. Because most people would be like, oh, let me like, but this is also a man who's fired everybody who's ever worked for him, pretty much. Like, yeah. <laughs> anybody who says anything that, I'm sure he wants to fire Dr. Fossey. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, I think um, it's, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you can, you know, take over. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that uh, I think it's important to remember, yeah, dude, that stunt was like it, absolutely insane. Um, but that, you know, watching tear gas be thrown into a crowd looks fairly innocuous on uh, on a video. Like, it's like, oh, it's like a smoke bomb. No, that, that's a fucking chemical irritant that, like, it will fuck you up. And, you know, for the president of the United States to fuck a bunch of people up, and I also heard they were spraying pepper bullets into people, like, fuck people up just to walk across the street. And I think it's because the night before it got out that he was in the bunker. So he wanted to look like Mr. Badass by like gassing a bunch of people and then strolling across the sea. I'm not hiding. I'm fucking here. I'm right out on the street. Like it's, it's, it's vicious. It's nefarious. It is, it is pointed. He has no interest in unity. He is everything he says every day. He tweets about the low lives, the scum, the losers. These are like thugs. These are words that he is using to describe American people. And it, he knows what he's doing. He has no interest in unity. It is clear. It would be so easy for him to come out and like, what did they, what did it start for? They wanted justice for George Floyd. Like, Five, five people, like, I guess the four cops and then the one cop. Like, how hard is it as a president to say, 
yes, let's absolutely hold these people responsible to the highest extent of the law. Set an example. Boom. You know what I mean? Like, how hard is that? And the truth is you can you can do it just for show, especially if you're Trump. Like, you can do it just for show. Like, oh, like these, hey, guys, like, you're, you're still probably going to be all right. Um, but shit's going crazy. Let, let's put you in, in jail somewhere and hold you for a little bit. And, like, because they've been doing uh, all these, like, press, kind of like uh, the kneeling, like the people, the, the cops kneeling with protesters and then like an hour later, you know, gassing them too and like beating them mm -hmm. uh, just for a photo op. Like, mm -hmm. so it's not like this isn't like alien to this, to, to what's going on in the world. Like it's all about appearances. So, but my, my whole thing was like, okay, like if this, this is a systemic issue and we know about it, um, well, maybe you can start to make committees. Maybe you can make a committee that, that, um, ranks that have like some, some sort of minimum and they go through every precinct and, you know, they just kind of grade them and rank them based on like, you know, training and, and, uh, you know, community uh, outreach and, you know, things like that, that, and, and then you have like a separate summit where you meet up with officials and, and cops that are like sheriffs and like people that were appointed or, or, um, voted in and you talk to these people and, and you see what's going on with the with the communities. Why are you having such a hard time getting on the same page as your community that you that you work in that you police? Um, why is this? Why are the number of officers involved shooting so high? And you get to kind of figure out and have those conversations that are like, well, we just don't get along with these people. Well, then if that's the case, we're going to put in people that do that look like the people that we're policing. Like we're not going to have you drive an hour to work every day to work in a community that you have no, you know, vested interest in. Yeah. Um, and then like, so like there's there, I feel like there's steps definitely that you could take that could like ha showcase or, or, or at least uh, catalyze some effective um, change that meets the requirements of what this protest is all about um, is, is the way I feel about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it's another thing. I, I saw a meme, and it's like, man, it's like we are just like hardcore in the disinformation war, like right now. So it's like you never know what to believe. But uh, I got to look into it. But I did say it's like police officer training is like five and a half months or something. Like I don't know if that's true, but if like I'm gonna look into it. But if and then it's like most other things, it's like two year training and stuff. But I don't know. Like, but if if that's the case, I think that there is there feels to be some sort of error and failure also in training as well. But then it's like, can, d does training even matter if you're, if the people that are gravitating towards this position are inherently racist and want to exert power and dominance over people? Like, I don't think any amount of training can dispel that. I think that is like systemic societal issues that have to somehow be addressed. That's a good, that's a, I think that's a really good point. I mean, how do you, how, how do you make sure that the people who are capable and like gravitate towards this job will actually do a good job of it by, by civilian standards. So, um, and I, I think that's the thing that needs to be addressed is like the cop standard versus the, versus the, uh, civilian standard. Um, you know, or, or the Joe Biden idea of like shooting people in the leg, like, um, I, I just think you just got to have some kind of discernment and you got to, and you can see it. Um, I was talking to a friend and he was telling me about the way the cops are trained. And it, it's like, um, do not fear your instinct to kill. 
your instinct to kill is probably right. You need to go along with it. Um, But then you look at it and it's like 50% of all homicides committed by cops are black or Hispanic uh, people. But black and Hispanic people only make up like 30% of the population. And not even talking about black and Hispanic men specifically, it's black and Hispanic men and women and children make up about 30% of the population, but account for 50% of all, you know, deaths at the hands of cops. Um, So you look at the instinct to kill and you start to wonder like, well, I guess my instinct to kill is more likely to fall on disproportionately a black or or Hispanic man. Um, Because I, I guess the thing that's being touted is like, oh, white people die more than than black or Hispanic people at the hands of cops. And it's like, well, yeah, because you make up like 70% of the population. Yeah. Um, You you almost should, that should be the case, but you should be accounting for also 70% of all deaths at the hands of cops. Mm -hmm. But instead it's like a 20% swing or, or, you know, um, and that's bothersome because it it goes to the thing you were saying, like the people that are, you know, um, resonating with this kind of job are a certain kind of person that would much rather, I think, see black or Hispanic man dead than a white man dead at their hands. Yeah. Um, and that's like a sobering truth. The, the guy I was speaking to, he's like also one, you know, you have a one in 1,000 chance of dying at the hands of a cop if you're an African-American man. Wow. And um, it's like, well, how many traffic stops do you do a day? I did, I did some like side research. It has nothing to do with the real thing, but uh-huh. I was like, oh, like these people are doing, these cops are doing like five traffic stops a day. And then you and they work five days a week, so that's you know a um, hundred stops uh, a month or something like that. Wow. Um, so like already you know in the over the course of the year, a thousand stops and like take that to two cops, three cops, four cops, five cops, and then it's like well somebody's gonna have an unlucky day in this year uh, at the hands of one of these cops, and like you just know it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Uh, um, I my so my dad my dad would uh, was in prison. Um, my so so I didn't even I was I was I grew up in this little, um, like, little like town called Lamont, right outside. I, um, not too far down the street was a canal and those grapes everywhere all around me. Um, the some of the some of the uh, roads weren't paved. It was still dirt. And this is in California. This is only like an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I grew up. I grew up where um, migrant workers come to 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 make to make money. Um, Esperanza Rising and like um, uh, I'm forgetting the name of this. Yeah, it's just a pretty famous area in terms of kind of like agriculture and farming. Um, and it's primarily Hispanic, um, uh, Hispanic uh, populated. Kind of area. So when I was in school, it was like 80, 85% were Hispanic. And I was one of only like six or seven black people uh, at my high school. And it was interesting because I, I, I didn't even see race in that sense. Um, I, in any sense, really, mm-hmm. it was kind of more, jo- it was always a joke. Like it was more jokey than anything. Um, you know, of course I'm in basketball. I'm, 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 I'm black. Like, you know, uh, of course, my hair feels that way. I'm black. And like, so it wasn't anything serious to it. Um, there wasn't an undercurrent of vitriol or anything like that or of dislike. 
Um, so my mom is white and my dad's black. Uh, I actually have that picture right here. I don't know if you've ever, but it's like a small picture. I don't even know if you could see it. Oh uh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> oh, you got a big family. Uh, yeah, it's a big family. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, so so I grew up with a white mom, a black dad, in a Hispanic community. I learned how to eat food with tortillas. I, I learned <laughs> I learned all about um, the UFW, which you know was Cesar Chavez and um, Dolores Huerta and and uh, Robert Kennedy and and like all the roles they played in kind of those those, those spaces. Uh, it was just rich in kind of that tradition. Um, it wasn't until college, like, you know, you, I'd get a glimpse of it at sporting events, but it wasn't until college that I started to realize what, what being black was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even like the other stuff I'd attributed, I remember one time sitting inside my a truck right outside my, my house and this cop comes all the way down to this, to this little, uh, dead end street where I, that I grew up on and I'm sitting in the car with my friend and they pull us out of the car and they have us put our hands on the roof. And I'm like, I live here. I live right here. And they were like searching us, searching us. And they're like, okay, we just had a check. And then they just like took off. Oh my gosh. Um, and it was, it was, it was like, that was like the first kind of time that I experienced it. But it's funny cause my, my dad died like two years ago. Um, uh, and he, I never understood him. I never understood that, um, why he was, the way he was um and and like all this is happening and you know i'm starting to see the world in this different way and i'm like oh crap like there's so much more that's understandable about my dad and but i just wish i could talk to him about it and be like hey like i had no idea i had no idea because he grew up in bakersfield in you know like the 80s and and stuff and mm-hmm. uh, it was just a different time and I, I wrote this thing like two nights ago where I was thinking about it. Uh, I was in my feelings really hard about George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I'd be down to, to read it um, I would if you'd that. like to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Please. Uh, I, I, I kind of cried during, during the, when I was, when I was um, writing it the other night. Um, so it's, it's, I just put my dad was a lucky man. You think that you make kids and that every life you raise will be just like yours. Well, you're not your daddy. You're not your mommy. These are different kids in different times. My dad was lucky for what he did in ours. He didn't fuck us up too bad, and he got to hang around, uh, around us for some really good times. I wonder if he would say, I'm going home because my kids make me laugh, or, man, they really cracked me up, so I'm heading back. I use back loosely because I don't know if home was ever really home for him, but it was for us. I'm glad my dad wasn't around for times like this. He seems like the kind of person who would be targeted in some late night, highly public incident by the police and the phones of momentary friends who would document the event and force him, force me to relive it often. It's not because he was bad. He would just attract things, situations, people. My dad was a very special man. I never really heard or understood his wisdom, but I got to watch him. I learned some of the small things. I learned care in certain ways. I grew up gardening under his hands, so I quickly understood the price of quality in both time and sweat, and sometimes injury, sometimes danger. It's weird how you can begin to look at yourself and your black father anew after seeing what America is capable of. For the first time, I have to look at what caused my father, my father to interact with the world the way he did, and I begin to understand the answer to so many whys that I possess, and I grieve anew. 
My daddy's hours were always numbered on this earth. The same can be said by all. And while we don't see the ending to most people's stories as so many close the book before us in life, I do feel robbed of what could have been. My dad was the son of a bounty hunter in Bakersfield, California. My dad went to prison. My dad had many affairs and many children. My dad always lived like he was on the run. My dad played basketball with me. My dad played soccer with me. I've eaten my dad's breakfast. I've watched my dad hurt. I've helped my dad work. I've seen my dad bleed. I've seen my dad chill. I've seen my dad love. I've seen my dad fight. I'm so lucky to have what I had. I'm so lucky to have had what I had while he was here in my life and on this earth. I understand more why he, he had the life he had, and I wish we could have talked about it. That's powerful, man. Yeah, it, it's it's not. I, I I would always see these memes after a shooting, and it was like a black and a mom, a black white, a black mom and a black dad, and um, they'd be there'd be like a news channel on the back, and it and say like uh, another black man was killed. And the black mom and dad would be having the conversation like, hey, should we tell our kids about what's going on? Like, when, when should we have the conversation? And I realized I never had that conversation, but I would imagine it's pretty damn common in, um, in black communities for moms and dads to sit down with a child and be like, hey, like, they're not really your friends. Um, so, like, stay safe, stay protected, keep your mouth shut, be respectful, and just try to avoid them as much as possible. Um, so we're, I think we're seeing laid bare kind of a skeleton or, or, uh, a bone of this country that, that showcases its real, um, dislike of, uh, you know, black skin. Yeah. I, I think this is where, this is where a major disconnect happens with white people is because you, you always see that fucking bullshit like, well, why did they run? You know? And it's like. Why? Because the, the, they like it is it is a known fact in the black community that the cops are not your friend. And there is multiple evidence that prove that. And it, like every single day today, we're seeing the cops are not any like it, like they're they're beating anybody. But it's like, you know, it's they have never been the friend of people of color. And it, it's this is something that we have to stop denying. We all need to take a stand and, and say, yeah, they are not, and we need to hold them accountable. Like, and that's what this whole movement is about right now. And it's crazy. I've never seen anything so beautiful and horrifying at the same time. Like to see people of all colors out there on the streets risking like getting shot in the face with rubber bullets and you know, arrest, anything. Like, people are out there and they're coming together like finally like this is such an amazing monumentous time in history and we should all be doing what we can. if you can't make it to a protest you need to be having conversations with your family about race you need to be like there are plenty of things to do on the back end of helping society move forward from this that's completely that's completely the truth i mean i don't i don't know uh what the right thing is always to be doing in these in these cases but uh, doing something is not a bad idea yeah um and that, that's where I'm the at. thing that's like, oh, I was just, oh yeah i was just gonna say <laughs> yeah i agree that's like, like I'm, I'm trying to have these conversations so it's like what can, what can i do you know but yeah go ahead i see i see friends and stuff to, uh you know consuming black art and black media um god it's it's one of the things that you hear about is like um is about kind of like Eurocentricity, like um, 
you know, European beauty standards and things like that. Um, and it's amazing how you can like really trick, uh, people into believing that something or some group of people are ugly, mm. like literally ugly. And so like everything else out of their mouth. And it goes back to like minstrel shows and stuff like that. Like, um, you, there's just this kind of like, there was always this desire to make black ugly um, and to make black look bad and to make black look like crime. And, and so when you see somebody like that move into your community, you're like, there goes the neighborhood, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like there's, so it's really interesting to kind of like try to reverse that. How do you reverse? And it's, yeah, simply by coming up against and consuming um, kind of black media and, 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 and what, what they're creating and producing. Um, it's just, it's just really terrible. What's, what's been done to the black community. Um, and every, for every attempt that's been made to kind of like elevate, um, the black individual, there's been 10, 11, 12, you know, um, in reverse and, you know, to try to like stop that from happening. Um, but one of the things that, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, yeah, go ahead. I was going to uh, talk about George Floyd and like one of the thoughts that I had immediately after he died was like, um, man, like it is a really disgusting thought in a sense. Cause it's like, well, he was a good, a good black man. We just needed more good black men to die at the hands of cops. Like how many more of those do we need? Like, and so that's really, um, kind of like, it's just disgusting. Um, to think about like, n- though none, the, the number should be none, yeah. but like, if you're going to do it, if you want to create outrage, you gotta, you gotta, you know, a, a, a good, a good one's going to die, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that was like kind of the thought that like bounced through my head I was like, Oh shit. Like if it's going to happen, it better be because that's the only way that, you know, people will see it as, as an issue and not bring up what about black on black crime or, you know, yeah, it's it, this whataboutism has has like it's it's killing any progress, man. It's like again, it's that it goes back to that denial. It's like and even talking about like beauty standards. Like I've always seen everyone of all races as beautiful. I love diversity. I love like you know like dark skin, everything. Like and so from my personal perspective of how I've navigated life, I've never I couldn't even fathom anyone having a problem with that. So it would be really easy for me to deny that that even is a problem because I'm like, well, it's, it, I think everybody's beautiful. So there's no way that the world would be that way. And it's like and it's that exact mentality that's like you might you might be a good person, you might be uh, like not racist, you you like but if your personal perspective has painted a picture of the world for you, then uh, like you have to listen to everybody else. You can't you can't just take your you got to know the limitations of your own perspective. How do you do that though? Like well, how do you how do you I I opened up an article this morning and I couldn't even get through. I, I read two, two sentences of, of, of it and I was like, this is just, this is just trash, all of it. I was talking about, um, like, an, it said, literally, it said opinion and it said systemic racism is a myth. And, I'll, and, and I tried to, like, read it, but then you, you already know what, like, they're trying to say, or, you know. But the thing, like, it's just this whole denial of 
the entire <laughs> the entire foundation of this country is what you're saying. Like this is a myth. Yeah, it's a myth that uh, black people are subhuman for 300 years and then brought in as kind of like uh, into the into the foyer of a of, of the house for the last hundred years and now they want a bedroom. Mm, they could have had the bedroom the whole time. It's all in their head. Like, oh, what, what is this? It's almost like a, like a victim blaming for, for being black or, 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 you know, a person of color. Yeah, it, it's nuts, man. Like, we had the spiritual awakening uh, last year. And uh, crazy story. But uh, anyways, the the energies and the deities that they, they were helping teach us through African deities, like Randy was, uh, she channels messages and whether or not you believe it. But uh, and so I learned all of this history about uh, where the African deity started, like in Yoruba land and then how slavery uh, just like pulled all the people apart and then their religion had to morph and change into like hoodoo. And then, uh, there was like condomble and it was like, it was all based on these like original African deities, but it got disseminated and spread out. And, um, like, and then, yeah, and I spent a lot of time like doing, uh, just follow, like last year I'd done a lot of reading of black history. And I think, honestly, I think that might be the way to, to do it is to learn black history because like the civil rights movements, like it, it wasn't even that long ago. Like it was not that long ago that it would be like no big deal for like somebody to like hang a black person on a tree and then have a crowd of people gather around and cheer it on. You know, it is not that long ago. And it's like, mm -hmm. if in that shit trauma that deep does not just fucking go away, especially when there's been no actual real attempt at like, making it better like any kind of reparation or anything it's just been like okay well you guys are you you guys have rights now uh now we're never talking about it you know it's like it, it can't it, like what you know that's like watching someone murder somebody like of your family right in front of you and then then you've like outrage about it and then they're like okay well you know all right we're not gonna kill any more of you it's all good right it's like no it's not all good <laughs> I mean, that's like, it's 100% the truth. And, and people have seen that, have witnessed a cop come into their house, or not even cops, we don't have to have to say really cops, because uh, there's a lot of people kind of doing these things to, to the black community. But um, there's a, can you hear the leaf blower? <laughs> a little bit, yeah, it's okay. Sorry about that. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, they're trying to shut us down, I think. No. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, so I was thinking about, uh, I had, a, I had a train of thought and I think I kind of lost it, but you, you triggered something for me about like you cops literally like Philando Castile was shot in, in Minnesota as well. A couple of years back, he had his concealed carry. Um, and he told him I have a concealed carry and, um, he had his girlfriend in the car and the kid behind and the cops shot into the car and killed him. Yeah. And that was like three years ago, maybe. Um, and that was just, and it's like, so there's no, there's no way to like do this thing right. Um, there's just no way to do this thing right. And it's not just black people that are, that are uh, being um, put uh, into those situations. Those, those is pretty famous, I think, or infamous uh, case where this, this white guy was like crawling on the ground saying like, please don't shoot me, please don't shoot me. And this guy with his like AR-15 or something like that, uh, a cop uh, shot him as he was crawling. And uh, he had in, in, in inscribed on the gun, you're fucked. Wow. And so, like, <laughs> wow. Um, 
as that mentality then I, I was talking I, about. That that's the that's the mentality. I'd read another article about this um um was a police chief. It was it was someone in a in a position of authority in the police force saying, like, I don't feel bad about killing the people I've killed. Like, some people just don't maybe I'm different, I don't know. Uh he's like, I've been in like three officer involved shootings. That's like half of my team has been in he's like, We don't feel bad about it, like you know who doesn't um, feel bad about just, killing? Serial killers, who? psychopaths. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's, it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary that we have just people like that. But again, like, how do you, how do you open yourself up to? Oh, this is what it was. Um, so, having my upbringing and my dad hardly ever around because of what was going on, um, I didn't really get to be in touch with kind of my black side. And it wasn't until college that I was like kind of surrounded by black people and, um, and told things like, oh yeah, like there's, there's a side, you're one of us. Like you're half black, but you're darker than this. Like you're, 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 you're only gonna ever be seen as a black man. Um, and I still didn't know what that meant. And so I was forced to learn black history. I was forced to do my own research and reading, but I, there's again 70% of the population that's not forced to. They don't have to learn. White people don't have to learn. Um, they're not affected if they don't learn about black history. If anything, I think there's a desire to erase black history. Yep. And, and I believe that people think that if you erase black history, then you'll have only Americans and you'll have no more race. Like, But that's that's not, it's, it should be, I see your race and I understand and there's value in that. But right now there doesn't seem to be value in being black in the eyes of a white individual. And because they represent 70% of, of, um, of the population along with the multitude of um, different uh, offices that they hold, uh, you know, like uh, places in the criminal justice system, like as judges, as lawyers, as um, as cops. Um, so while we may not be harmed, let's say I want to go start a business. Maybe I can, and it can be successful, but in every other film and filled in every other realm, um, I'm at a huge disadvantage and, and not only is it, it would be different if it wasn't like a conscious decision to, to keep black people out. Um, because then I would just have to fight against chance. But instead, I have to fight against um, people actually putting up walls to stop me. And that was like going back to like trying to buy homes, trying to vote even um, is, is, is still being uh, manipulated yep. today. Absolutely. Uh, so there's all these different ways in which and, and maybe that should be the thing that should be acknowledged or what people see is like, hey, like it would be different if I was just combating fate or chance, but I'm, I'm, there's people really trying to make sure um, that the level of success and like freedom and peace that I have is less than the average white man. Um, because for every, every time I get a seat at the table, I have to like push somebody else out. Um, and, and I think that's also one of the things it's like, you you see other white people being friends and this is the whole like nigger lover like all that stuff like comes it's like you see somebody one of your 
companions, your um, white counterparts uh, um, going to help a minority. And it's like, well, I thought we were in this together. Like, we don't help them. Like, they're on their own. Let them do what they got to do. Mind your business. And and that's completely harmful, too. That's the, yeah. Yeah, it's, see, it's, and it's, these, this conversation, like, just, yeah, like I said, this is only the second episode I've done. And it's just, it's so fascinating because I think that nobody, nobody has taken it. Nobody's white people generally, like you said, have never been really like forced to like sit down with this. And, and they think that, you know, I'm living post slavery and, and in a modern era, so it doesn't affect me. And, you know, I don't, I don't have to think about it. We could just move forward. Everything is good, you know, but it's, hearing hearing your stories and and really just like listening and really like opening this up it's like i realized that you know because yeah i i think a lot of people just think racism is black and white they're black so you know there are obvious overtly racist people and that is the only form of racism you know like kkk clansmen are the only racist and it's like eh, racism has bled out into many different facets of society that it's like and people we need to start peeling back those layers and taking a good long look at like, wow, you know, uh, I just said that. And it's like, why did I say that? Uh, wow. Okay. If I trace that back far enough, yeah, that was actually a really racist thing to say, even though I don't consider myself racist, you know, like those are the kinds of things you have to be honest with yourself, you know, like sold, sold down the river. (laughs) That's a phrase that's about, you know, selling, selling families of, of, uh, of slaves. Oh shit. I didn't Uh, know know that. To separate them, yeah. Sold up wow. the river, sold down the river. Oh, here's a fucking crazy one. Um, you know, a cakewalk? It's a cakewalk? That shit's, like, racist, too, because, like, back in the day, they would have uh, the slaves come in and, like, the cakewalk, walk around the circle and to sit down in the chairs, and then the last one, would they would get the cake. They would give the slave the cake, and it was, like, a joke oh. to them. And it's, like, yeah, like, if we just say that all the time, like, ah, oh, it's a cakewalk. And it's, like, that shit is way fucking racist. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh wow! Yeah, I I love idioms. Like it's on on the previous episodes of my podcast, I do a section about idioms, and like I found that I was like I was aghast. You know, it's like it's all these things that have just filtered into our society that are just like commonly accepted now, and they have no idea what it was built on. I think I I, I tend to think about these things not so. I try. I think I'm pretty balanced in the ways that I see these things, and I just don't understand why um, why the idea of right and and morality and all that stuff, like why black people and black problems don't kind of go into that realm of morality. It's almost it's almost like oh, if we do something for black people, um, then we have to admit we're wrong or um, yeah, I guess uh, if we do something for black people, then, then I, I don't know. I don't know why there's no like desire to all the conversations about helping black people are always highly, highly combative and highly like hostile. I mean, of course, in like re- reparations, you have that conversations and people get pissed off and, and, uh, uh, you know, I don't care one way or the other. I don't think I have any saying that, like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but I'm not like sitting here. I'm not sitting here arguing about it, but I will say Native Americans and Jews got, uh, and Japanese got reparations. Um, 
and black people didn't. But with everything, it's always a, it's always a fight with with for for black people. The civil rights movement. You have the Million Man March. You have all these different kind of ways that we've tried to kind of build a sphere of just like peace and like community and and solidarity and 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 something that looks kind of like the American dream. Um, but every time we get close to it, there's pushback and I don't understand, I don't understand that. And that's the thing that confuses me more than anything is like, why, why not black lives matter? You say all lives matter, but why just, why not? Why can't you just say black lives matter? And why can't you recognize, um, what that means and come try to understand what that means when we say that? Cause we're not saying it just to say like, Hey, we're more important than you. We're saying, hey, we've been treated less important than you, and we'd like to be on equal footing. Yep. Exactly. You know, I think here's why. Here's what I think it is. It is a theory. Is that I think the system that's built on oppression, and then obvious, like you know, like people at the top, like like they're creating this situation for a reason. And I think that the uh, the oppression of the black community is a major domino that. And we're seeing it right now. It's we're we're tapping that domino because if we all stand together for justice for Black people, that is such a huge. And it comes to light how oppressed and how actual rigged the system has been against an entire group of people. Everybody, it's that's going to be a mass like holy shit moment. That like, yeah, this has been horrible. So what else about the system is horrible? So it's like once, and that's why they fight so hard to keep us divided and distracted because, and it, man, it's like nobody, everybody's paying attention now. Like the pandemic gave everybody, like pulled everybody out of their lives. And then it just took one catalyzing event for people to be like, what the fuck is this? And now everybody's sharing resources. Everybody's jumping on, everybody's paying attention and look what's happening. We're in the fucking, like people are in the fucking street saying this is no more. And, and this isn't going away anytime soon. So this is just the start. Like, yes, all lives, of course, they matter. And nobody's saying they don't. But right now, black lives matter the most because we ha until they're treated as equals and we all have a level playing field for everybody, then it's going to be black lives matter. And that is where we need to focus right now because that is going to topple the rest of the system and everybody's going to be like, holy shit. Like, this system has literally been holding all of us back, but some of us way more than others. All, all they're all, all they're saying with the protests is help. That's it. <laughs> help someone, please. That's 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 what is exact. And and people want to kind of like delegitimize, uh, delegitimize. De de yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know the whole protest um, and and make it into something that it's not. But that's basically what I think people are saying is like help. It's not like we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't see that. We shouldn't see that um, for anybody, any race. But like, we're seeing it with with black people. Um, regular people are taking shots at black people, as are just like you know Ahmad Arbery, and then we have cops taking shots at black people. Um, and it's like, yeah, are we are we monsters? <laughs> I don't. I got only when I'm in uh, makeup, sick. <laughs> <laughs> only time I'm a monster. Um, yeah, it's and it's yeah. like I I just cannot understand how anybody would 
think that, but I am acknowledging that people do. And please, I ask anybody, if you're like, there's no way I can't understand racism, so it must not exist. Please stop saying that right now. Say that, yeah, you, you can't understand it, and that's good. Like, nobody should be able to understand racism because it is so f- inherently fucked and it's insane. It shouldn't be a thing. But please acknowledge that it is a thing, and now do your best to help solve that problem. Because like it, it's it, with any problem is like denial is the first step that prevents any sort of progress. I um, I write like I write scripts and stuff and and uh, one of the one I found like a lot of people like sci-fi and I remember asking about it we were t- I was talking to it with a, about it with a friend and um, they're like well sci-fi is cool because it's the only time in the in some kind of fantastical world where everybody's equal, mm-hmm. where we've, we're out of a, some kind of post-scarcity world, um, and like there's like kind of hori- a horizon to look forward to in sci-fi. But then you look at that and you're like, okay, like how does that translate to today? And it's like, well, maybe we're in this, like we cannot deal with prejudice and discrimination. That isn't if we're as civilized and like advanced as we want to believe we are, and as we're moving into with uh, this level of tech that we're kind of like delving into, there's just no room for for these weird senses of right and wrong of like of of borders and like and, and uh, like this is mine and this is yours. Like there, there there could be no room for that stuff because because that's that's kind of the mark of like advance and if we can't get past that then we'll just decline Mm -hmm. then then uh we'll have we'll have yeah a system that eats itself Mm -hmm. um but i mean people want to hang on to their to their kind of like classes and their labels and stuff like that as as means of like um separation and distinction but i think i think that the only distinction that should be worth noting is kind of like whether or not you're a good human being. And, and I think that a good human being isn't perfect and doesn't have all the answers or anything like that, but they don't stop trying. Like, they try. Yep. And that was the thing that bothered me most about, or to a great, not the most, but to a great extent about George Floyd's death was, like, pretty quickly after that, there was no cops and no cop groups that were speaking out going, this was terrible. It took, it took a few days for somebody to say, like, if that didn't sit right with you, turn in your badge. Yeah. Um, but I wish that there'd been an immediate, like, break from that fraternity saying, like, this was terrible. Not just bad police work, but bad fucking humanity. Like, Absolutely. this is disgusting. Um, that's what I would have liked to have seen and more of was, like, cops just being like, I distance myself from that. I want no part of that. We do things different, and maybe we need to look at ourselves. Yeah, like it blows my mind that that anybody that has seen that video, like how cops could just not be coming out of the woodwork. Like, what the fuck? You know, like this is not okay. But it didn't happen. And and that right there, that alone speaks volumes to anybody that is denying that there is a problem with police brutality or inherent racism in the police force. Have you seen that thing about like, um, like the George Floyd challenge or whatever? These no. like generally like white kids kneeling on each other's necks and taking photos. Jeez, oh, you know what? I think I did see something like that. Yeah, it's, it's fucking. It's just hard to click on that stuff. Like I didn't look any deeper than 
going like, what the fuck, y'all? Yeah. We got to do better. We got to be better. Yeah. And, <laughs> but the, and that's like the whole, uh, one of the other things that I noticed too is like the ability for like white rioters, white looters to go into a place, into a, a black protest and ransack the whole thing and destabilize that, um, that protest and make it look bad for everybody. But like that is the power of like um, kind of a majority class mm-hmm. is like the majority class is able to like go in and have some fun at the expense of others and completely just demolish the point and and then nothing gets done like that's privilege too yeah absolutely that, like it's your kids <laughs> it's your kids going and like breaking windows and stuff and making my people look like like we're like yeah thugs kind of proving your point but it's 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 not us doing it yeah um like straight um, up like if if you're white like and you're listening like and you go to protest you should not be looting you should not be breaking shit like you like seriously it's you're there to be an ally and support and follow the let the people of color and those most affected control the narrative and control that you know you're just you're there to support you know and it's like for people like it's I made a post about it like uh, a couple days ago when all this started and I was like, you know, basically like if you're white, don't, don't fucking do that shit. And, and then it just, it, of course that by that night it had already become a problem. And it's just like, you really got to think about the color of your skin and the context and the story that that carries with it. And then couple that with your actions and what kind of message are you sending, you know? That was the danger that Malcolm X talked about, too, uh, which is why he really only wanted to walk and protest with um, only black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and his whole argument was like, well, you know, you get coffee and um, you put in a little bit of cream. Well, the whole thing now tastes like cream. Um, and that, so that's like what he was saying. But this is like the, the worst aspect of that, where somebody goes in that isn't of that race and like kind of, you know, just break some windows, steal some stuff from Target. And it's not like, you know, black people weren't free of blame or anything like that. But it's like, if you're going to, if that's going to happen, it, it should be angry black people. Yeah. So um, they, they, kind of, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say kind of fucking shit up. I don't know if you, can I cuss? Is that cool? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I cuss all the fucking time. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, let's just be honest. Like, black people have every reason to be, and right to, like, honestly like loot shit i'm not encouraging it but it's like you know if anywhere anyone had a reason it would be the black community you know like it, it, it's just like to see white kids run in there like it's just like no dude don't don't do it <laughs> <laughs> Let us so, um yeah it's 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 pretty it's it's cool to see what's going on though in that sense and it's cool to see just like the i was surprised that in Bakersfield, there's huge protests going on, and I was I was so shocked, and that's kind of where I come from, um, and it's like notoriously red, um, and I was so shocked and 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 impressed, and they showed the videos, and it was like white people marching, and I'm like hell yeah, like this is awesome, this is really awesome, um, it just sucks that a, that like it's taken so long, and like of course like you know countless countless probably. I, I can't even put up a number, but like there's countless lives that have been lost to this 
um, to the, the machine of this country and, and it's kind of like systemic oppression. And um, it's really cool to see people. I guess I should have been tipped off once Bernie got so much support and love because, um, because like, yeah, what, what people were saying was equality, like real true equality. Yeah. Um, everybody has a fair shot. Everybody should have the same shot or a similar, not the same shot, but there should be no reason why you can't have access to the things that like the more privileged population has access to because, um, because they made a little bit more money, which, you know, is already kind of stacked against certain kinds of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm hoping that like this. So here, here's the way that I'm looking at it. It's like the, people are engaged. People are paying attention. People are demanding true change in equality right now. And like we need to keep that discussion focused on the black community. But as this develops and once there we the once that equality and things start to shift into that new paradigm, I think we need to keep this momentum going and push for massive systemic change beyond this. But, you know, we can't jump the gun and start. I think it's like why movements like the Occupy Wall Street movement failed and stuff. They just all of a sudden tried to tackle every issue at once, you know, and it's like but right now, no, it's like this is all about Black Lives Matter. And then. Once that is solved, let's use that. And I, I'm hoping that we carry some of this momentum into the election and demand because like, seriously, dude, like before this, the fucking election, it's like, all right, we got Trump, which is fucking horrible and getting worse every day. And then we just have not Trump. Like there's no solutions offered by Biden. There's no like, yeah, this is like his whole platform is just I'm not Trump. And it's like, is that where we are in America, where like the two, like we have this horrible person and the only solution to this man is that he's not that man. Then if that's the case, like all these vote new blue, no matter who people like, why the fuck wouldn't you just vote for Bernie then? Because like Bernie actually had like uh, the, the excitement, the fucking the, you know, people were excited for true change. So this this whole blue v- vote blue, no matter who thing, that's the most entitled bullshit that like I think I've ever. And people try to accuse me of being entitled by demanding like a candidate like Bernie or something. And it's so fucking backwards. It's like, really? Like, I, I'm taking a stand for this person because this person is actually offering true solutions to massive problems. And you're like, ah, vote blue no matter who. Well, I'm glad that you can just vote blue no matter who. But you're going to fucking call me entitled? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, would you ever run for office? You know, I, I, I think about it. And it's like, I, I really genuinely care about people. And I, I want to bring about change in whatever ways I'm able I just feel like it's politics, how they currently stand are sort of like, I'm just this weird, wacky artist, dude, you know, and so I feel like it, like inserting myself in that political arena is it, just, it's too technical and too structured for me. And I feel like I can do mm-hmm. what I can to fully utilize my weird creativity and, and just who I am as a person to help bring about change in, in other ways that aren't like actually being, you know, like not being a politician. So I feel like if I, because I do believe in like life paths and things now that I've gotten all spiritual and stuff. And I believe if I was supposed to be a politician, I would have definitely gravitated towards politician already, you know, but I don't know, maybe some, if like, if the political game changes and we see all like start to progressive start to flood in and it's like the community is active and engaged in politics, you know, it's not off the table. I think, I think that's um, one of the things I think about a lot is just like who, who, there's no one really worth voting for. There's no like, there's no, no voice that really is truthful to 
what I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that these people talk about, it's, it's, I think uh, Cuomo said it. He's like, a, there's, we just witnessed a t- kind of like a tell it to, to America. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, politicians speak to one America. Yep. And that's and and they're not speaking to this other America, and 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 that's interesting, um, because that America that they speak to, of course, is the corporate America. That's that's what they want to. They 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 don't want to do stuff for green because green is bad for corporations. And yep. um, but it's then, cool. like, I think everybody recognizes why this is why Bernie got so so much like, you know. Uh, speed. I think everybody recognizes that um, that we're not being spoken to, mm-hmm. and I think that's why something like this is kind of because a lot of people see it the way that you were talking about. Like, if we help black people, we can then help ourselves, and we can start to build like momentum towards like change that's like real. Because black people are uh, maybe maybe most famously or historically, I don't want to say like the most um, targeted demographic in American history. But I mean, I think if, if it wasn't black people, it'd be women. Mm-hmm. But I would say, I would say kind of like consciously just, you know, pick, pick that and like destroyed. And yeah, it's, it's, it's gotta kind of be black people mm-hmm. historically that's been targeted by this country. Yep. Um, so by, subverting that we can kind of change the story of this country. And I think maybe that's what people are really seeing is like, Hey, like (laughs) they've been like down in that hole for 400 years now. And like, they keep trying to crawl out and people just keep on fucking pushing them back in that hole. Like if we can like pull them out and cover that hole, it's a new start for, for everything. And, and I, I, that's, that would be really awesome. And I feel like that's kind of what the truth is. And I think people are just trying to get behind something to get their way and get their voice heard because no one's listening to anybody right now. And I, those people out on the streets, like, well, they're not just black and they're not just white and they're not just Hispanic and they're not just Asian. And they're, they're out there trying to change this country for the better. Yeah. And I can 100% respect and get behind that because I don't believe that Donald Trump is trying to change this country for the better. Absolutely I don't not. think Joe Biden is trying to change this country for the better. Nope. I don't think I can point to any political figure at this point who's trying to change the country for the better. Um, well, they, you got like people but, like AOC and a few progressives getting in there. I really think that they're actually there's a small progressive movement starting to build. But, you know, it's like they don't have much power yet. Um and, you know, and then it goes, yeah, it's like we look at like this issue in layers and it's like at the bottom we have like oppression of black people and people of color. And you start chasing that up and then then all of a sudden this umbrella is this this corporate umbrella of people have rigged the system truly for everybody. But obviously it affects black people way worse. Um, but like and then that's once we like once people can open their eyes to that, then everybody's going to start to see the whole shit show for what it is. Do you, do you watch the Patriot Act? No, no, but I've been hearing everybody 
oh, saying, dude, watch it, watch it. Please watch it. it, especially the last three episodes that just came out. Like in those three episodes, you can see everything that is wrong with America. And it's because every single fucking system that we have from rent to fucking like big pharma to everything is made to screw people over our healthcare system. It's like everything. And it's all for the profit. And it's like this stuff isn't even like conspiratorial it's just out in the open this is how the systems run and the problem is is that nobody knows how anything is run so nobody and if they did we would be like holy fucking shit like we're in the dark right now and if somebody turns on the lights like we're gonna see just like a clusterfuck of the system that is like just filtering money to rich people you know it's like this is this is like a time and it's so crazy because this this uh cycle and this story gets filtered into all of our films and our stories and our media and stuff it's all there's always the story of the uprising and there's always the story of the ruling class like taking advantage of the the people underneath them until one day they say fuck that and then everybody stands up and then that's when like true change happens and I, I, we're seeing that right now man like that's it's fucking like i've i've waited so many years for like people to start like giving a shit and you know and then that's coming from just like a white person so it's like you know and like how many years have like black people like 400 plus years black people have waited for somebody to just start giving a shit mm. and we we it's almost like um you know how they were like uh oh we can get to mars it's just ahead of our technology maybe maybe rights for black people is just too far ahead of technology like, it's like oh we needed social media and we needed kind of like inter you know inter interrelational kind of like communication between like us and everywhere else in the world and like we needed this and that to kind of like even begin to i mean because it's deep rooted so maybe maybe there is something to it i don't know yeah but um it's <laughs> um yeah, that was probably a dumb joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's sadly, it's true. It's like we've been focused on solving every other problem under the sun. and But, you know, it's like how how is it really that hard to solve a problem of just like caring about a group of people and treating them as equals? Like, is it that hard? Like, or is it, has no one just tried yet or actually made a concerted attempt, you know? So there, there, there was this, uh, I, I was good friend. I'm, I am good friends with like this, um, this director, producer guy. And, um, he was like, yeah, I remember one, at one point he's like, yeah, there's a reason why black people and women don't get hired into, 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 um, into businesses. Um, and it's because like all the rules, all the um, laws and stuff that are put in place to protect these people, make it really, really hard to fire them. So, and if you fire them, um, you can almost guarantee that a lawsuit is coming your way. So it's almost safer to just hire a white man. Wow. Um, because you can, you can, yeah, because if they're not doing the job, you can just fire them. But if it's a person of color or a woman, um, it's, it's a little bit harder. Like you have to actually have a reason or wow. else you can get sued. Shit. I didn't even know that, man. That's like a, how, fuck. I mean, like in, I know, I don't agree with that, but it's like, I could see how that presents a problem to deter people from hiring. So is it like, do we need like change in that? And if that was the case, like how could we even change? Because those are, those rules are meant to like protect people that are already getting fucked over. But then it's like, if you remove those protections, would that help or would that hurt? It's yeah. Would it help or would it hurt? And it's like, it's just the, uh, maybe the cost of progress was like, but, but after he said that, I was like, fuck, holy shit. 
sucks. It explains so much. So you have to be kind of like an extraordinary. I think that's where it comes from, like that extraordinary that like I have to work twice as hard or three times as hard for half the uh, is, is because like I have to seem on paper and in person like I'm like three or four times better, like that I'm worth the risk of hiring. So that means that I have to have more credentials and more experience and I have to talk nicer and I have to look better. Like uh, across the board, I have to be kind of like a, yeah, an extremely extraordinary person of color in order to be taken seriously in, in a lot of these workplaces. And if I'm not, then I don't got, I don't got a job there. They're not going to even take a chance on me. That's a risk that could backfire for them. That's insane. I don't, like, I don't know how you fix that. Dude, I see. And it's like me, I never, never knew any of that. And then that's a very real thing that happens. And it's like, wow. You know, and it's like for all, the, like for white people like complain and use, ex- well, I have it hard too. And it's like, all right, well, f- let's, let's just look at it. The baseline, life is fucking hard for everybody. It's tough. Now yeah. take that baseline and add being black on top of that and then all of the things that stand in your way and the obstacles of being black on top of the baseline that life is fucking hard. And, and so therefore, you, you cannot compare the two. <laughs> like, yes, everybody has it hard, but some people certainly, absolutely, undeniably have it harder than others on top of what you have to go through. There are some dope-ass aspects to being black, though. Yeah? But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it can be pretty cool being black. You know what is really cool is like if you're a black person and you see a black person anywhere else, you can say hello or what's up or you can usually that happens if I'm like in L.A. and and at, at a mixer or something like that and there's like three or four black people, by the end of the night we've all hung out and talked to each other and like know each other's names and like so there's something about being kind of in that situation that – I think makes us far more uh, attuned to each other, mm. um, which is, I'm sure it's kind of a similar thing, you know, with, with, with other races, but you, you would think like from what you hear, like black on black crime and blah, 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 and this, this, and that, like that for some reason, black people would hate each other. And it's not the fucking case at all. Like, mm-hmm. I think that we, we're all brothers and sisters. And I think that we kind of feel that. Um, and I've gotten, I've, I used to work in Baldwin Hills and I've gotten along with like, face tattooed, like hard, hard, hard black people. Um, and, and I've been cool with them and I've been cool with, I just think that like a lot of it is false. You know, there's this um, idea about um, black people. Um, there's two different schools of thought. And, um, and W.B. Du Bois was uh, believed or argued that like, if only more black people were like him, um, there would be no problem. But this man was born free and he was highly educated and you know, just, he, he checked all the boxes. Mm. So he believed that by being the best, like model minority type thing, like by being the best version of a black man, like I have to hold all other black people accountable and, and, and to the standard. Um, and maybe if that were the case, we wouldn't be treated so bad. But the thing is, is that's inherently racist. Yeah. All black people, all black people are okay. And I think that's like, and that's one thing. So personally, that's one thing I had to learn. Um, because I, wanted, I grew up, again, I was raised 
uh, basically by my white mother um, in an entirely Hispanic area. So I came into kind of being black later on in life. And, um, and I had my own kind of like, my own, um, I guess, prejudices about certain type of black people, this and that. And like, but then like you, you, you're forced to be a part of that world. Like I was. So then like at first you start going like, Oh, this person speaks nice. This person um, looks nice. This person is ambitious. And you start going down the line and you're like, I can accept this person. I can accept that person. I can, and then you start realizing that as you're accepting more and more of these people, they stop looking like what you thought you were going to accept. And you're like, Oh, well, I guess I'm accepting all of them. I accept all of them. They're all like doing their own thing in this hard world. They're all like trying and they may speak a little different and they may listen to different music or they may do this or they may do that, but they're still worthy of a human experience that isn't uh, one of oppression and one of, um, of, of advantage or, or, or uh, t- being taken advantage of in every, in every, in every way. And that was kind of like, um, that was, a journey in itself that I was forced to go on that I didn't, if I don't, if I wasn't black, I wouldn't have had to experience that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had to come to grips with my own prejudices and go like, well, fuck, there's parts of myself that I must hate then. Um, mm-hmm. well, but, but you, yeah, if you, if you hate black people, then I, I would say that there's a part of yourself that, that, that you must not like. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can hate another human being it's that it's that thing where like if I'm correcting you for your grammar, it's because I'm very hard on myself about grammar. Like, yeah, it's that thing of like if I'm if I feel like you need to be policed a certain way or believe in the government a certain way or live a certain way or do this a certain way, it's because like those are things that um, that I feel are justified because I've witnessed someone die for that reason or hurt for that reason or yeah, like if you just stay in line, stay in line. But the, you know, there's a whole bunch of people all kinds of different colors who don't stay in line, who step out of line every single day. And it's just, oh, like, my bad, I didn't know. And that's fine. But then you have the other, uh, the other side of things where a mistake while being black could be the last mistake you ever make. And that's, that's disturbing to me. Absolutely. And, I, and until we get to a point where that's disturbing to everybody, we're still going to get stuck in this, this loop of no progress because that absolutely should be disturbing to everybody. And if you don't find it disturbing, I, I do some, do some introspection, man, figure out, trace that back to the root of why you don't find that disturbing because I guarantee you it's some kind of racist, something hiding under there that you might not even realize. Are we bad for wanting, for having expectations or, or desires? Is that, is that, is that, um, not just, not just, people of color, but like us, like we want the country to look and be a certain way. Are we wrong for wanting the country to be better and to like look better and be more embracive? Not at all. Man. Wow. This has been a, a great talk. Thank you so much for for doing this. I, it's really enlightening and really, uh, really eye opening. So thank you. Thank you for, for having me and thank you for doing for doing this because even as I was speaking, I was like, man, it's really nice because no one ever wants to hear me talk about this crap. Most of the stuff I just sit in my head with and like think about how I can work it into a script or something. Well, I'm, that's I honestly when it 
and it hit me because I was like, what can I do to like help solve this problem? And when it just came down to it, it's just like the, listen, it's so mind boggling, like so simple. It just starts with listening, you know? And I think if more people just listen. Well, I do hope. I do hope I was worth listening to and I added some value to kind of what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Like, don't even think, like, like, don't even think that you, you're not adding value as a person and, and a human being and a wonderful soul. Like, don't even go there. I'm going to hug you through the... I know, right? I, <laughs> I felt it. I really did. <laughs> uh, man. Um, it, so here's the thing. So I started a film festival for irreverentism, um, but I want to start doing more of these. And I'm wondering, would you want to help me, like, organize a, a film festival for, like, people of color to, like, tell their stories? And uh, because, like, I just I want to do everything I can to use my platform to amplify the voices of people of color and tell the story. And I would love it to have this film festival of, like, people using their creativity to tell their story. And the way that I'm going to do it is, like, I'm going to compile the videos and then I uh, air them live on Twitch. And then uh, we have, you know, it's like have everybody see it. So it's like, well, that's something you want to, like, help me organize? Maybe. That's, yeah, that sounds wonderful, man. Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and I do know some black filmmakers. So right. awesome. <laughs> so I can, I can uh, maybe cast my net a little bit and, and see what's out there. Um, we can figure out the details maybe a little bit later. Yeah, for sure. Uh, cool. Yeah, start thinking that and we'll talk off, off the podcast. Uh, but that's exciting. Like that would, I, I'm just trying to think of all the, because like art is so therapeutic and so uh, important and that if we can start coupling art into this healing process, because yeah, taking to the streets and fighting back on the police or like pushing back on this and saying no, that's, that's definitely a front of the battle. But I think this is a, this is a cultural social battle that needs to be fought on many fronts and if we start bringing into art and and move people because art moves people you know and and in a way that is uh possibly in a way that no other ways can because people are connecting to your art and engaging and listening to your story so the more we can couple art into this movement i think uh the more the good it's going to bring what, what do you think of those people that say um there wouldn't be like if if you want to stop talking about or think about racism or anything like that just stop talking about it or just like have you ever heard that uh maybe in a not exactly that form but yeah would it what do i think about that yeah like if if we just stopped talking about racism there wouldn't be racism is that what you mean? Because <laughs> like, I, yeah, I guess well, as soon as you said it, I was like, well, that's <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I think uh, it's. I mean, it goes back to the very first point I made is about that denial. Uh, if it, to not talk about it is to deny its existence, and it's, no matter how much you verbally deny the existence of something, it is still out there, wreaking havoc on the society and human race as a whole. The, the kind of person that does agree with that, um, it feels like more like, it feels more like, um, I don't want to hear your problems. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I don't, that's so, so yeah, I guess everything, the reason why I ask is because that's like the exact, you're doing the exact opposite of that. Um, and, and yeah, I, I don't know why that 
is valid for, for people like, Oh, you know, like I don't want to hear about it. Um, but it's like, we can talk about it. Uh, you have more of a right to go like, or you, you can go fight back your own way by voting, but an effort to silence is different than an effort to, um, to be a contributing member of society. And so I think a lot of these people feel like they're doing themselves a favor by speaking up and saying, shut up. Um, but that's not the case. Like, just go vote. But what's the point of trying to silence individuals? Well, I mean, you know, and it, I honestly don't, I don't think voting, I think voting is completely, has zero integrity now. I watched a documentary about uh, election fraud and stuff. It's like systems are so easily hacked. Like you got Republicans gerrymandering, redrawing district lines and like around people of color stuff. The voter suppression happen, affects the minorities worse than anyone else. And so people's voice of the people of color, their voice isn't even heard through voting. Because like any uh, any area that's like lots of minority, they they have like one or two polling stations, and it's like if you can just make it so hard for people to vote and so inconvenient for them to vote, then you're manipulating the the uh, election and you're silencing voices, and that happens mm-hmm. every fucking time. So it's like so we need like massive direct action. Like voting for me, I don't think that's going to do shit until we fix like these massive systemic problems. I mean, I'm not saying don't vote. I mean, like, vote, you know, but, uh, like, <laughs> but uh, you know, like, be active. I guess that's what I'm saying. It's like we have to be active in all parts of this situation because once we're active in all parts of the system, we will see how flawed the system is. So, so how, so I guess this is a big one is like, why, why be so active? Like, why, why not just vote? Why, why not just protest? I only have so much time in the day. I have so many obligations. Why do I have to do both? I think that every single person, there is a way for you to maximize your potential to solve this problem in whatever way fits into your life. Um, Because we all do have to live our lives like that's we are subject to our own obligations as well. But it just it, it can start with simple things. You know, maybe you don't have to be like on the front lines right off the bat, but like maybe just instead of watching some stupid tv show like maybe watch some black history documentaries like just educate yourself learn like uh, just try to understand it's as simple as that like does that going to put you out of your entire like life to just try to understand somebody else's plight you know and then yeah well because I, I think here's the thing is I think that once people do find that understanding, then they will be absolutely moved to do and help in whatever ways they can, regardless of if it's inconvenient to their life. We're seeing that now. People of all colors are in the streets right now because they saw firsthand the, the, the heinous nature of this stuff. So it's like once you're moved and touched by what is actually happening, then you have no choice but to act. There's this cool podcast I came across called That Black Ass Podcast. It's pretty good. Nice. So instead of, you know, listening to like the serial killer podcast or watching that serial killer thing on uh, series on Netflix, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe like that was, I, I, that was one that I recently discovered. Not to plug another podcast. No, please. Like, po- dude, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. What, what is it called? 
uh, that Black Ass podcast. Okay. It's, it's it's pretty it's um it's pretty funny. It's it's actually really funny. Um, but the I mean the the conversations are like really real and there's humor kind of dose you know spread spread throughout it. But um, it's it's entertaining, which is nice because a lot of these a lot of um, these things could be kind of like um, what's the word. Uh, Lecture, like they can feel like lectures. They can sure. be kind of dry and yep. like and heavy because it's heavy material. Black history is heavy yeah. history. Absolutely. Um, you have American history, and there's like this, like you know, a little gloss to it, a little sheen. Um, black history is uh, pretty fucking, especially bl- no, black American history is like pretty fucking terrible. Yeah. Um, pretty fucking terrible. And there's there's every victory, and there's not very many of them, but every victory is kind of um, there's immediate pushback to it, and and there's this desire to con- constantly keep black people in their place, and I think that's kind of like um, really like the wording for it, even if it's a little bit you know derogatory, but yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, so this stuff can be really dry, but so so finding the one the ways in which you can kind of consume this stuff without, you know, getting depressed. <laughs> yeah, and then that's that's kind of like I mean, this is only episode 2 and I'm also going to be covering the protests in other episodes and like uh and also like yeah, now I'm just thinking like I want to I'm going to start including black history and things like that because I think that's really that's what really opened my eyes. That's how I began to understand because like if you can watch Game of Thrones and fucking flip a table and get flip your shit over the, the fucking fantasy character making a, a kind of a choice, then how the fuck can you not flip your shit over real things that happen to real people, you know? And but you know, that's a side point. But as I move forward with this, like I, I want to bring humor in and, and fun and creativity into this in a mix that like uh, that that I don't um, I want to make sure that I don't uh, downplay or or send the wrong message, you know, because we are talking about very real heavy topics. But also, I think it's important that to keep people engaged, you have to make something entertaining. You have to be engaging. And that's why I want to like have uh like people of color and and artists and stuff submit like music and stuff because like I want to play it like uplifting keep the morale because yeah we're dealing with some heavy shit right now but we got we also have to we have to dive into the depths while uh, you know with the lights of our hearts like shining into the into the darkness you know because like we got to go in there and we got to fix this we have to heal the trauma but we also have to make it back out of this because it's very easy that these chaotic situations right now in times of change they are they are tipping points that could go one way or the other and things could get chaotic they could get out of hand and it could all fall apart but if we stay unified and we stay positive and we stay uplifted then we can fix this that was a great image of like going into the depths with shining the lights of our hearts. Because I mean, that's that's at the end of the day, no one's asking you to like die for this. And people, I mean, I mean, it could be like a painful experience physically or whatever the case. But no one's asking you to. We're already dying. We just need we just need someone to stop 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 that stop it stop it from happening, please. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, just like yeah, just do that. Just like open up your chest and like let that thing shine. And um, yeah, just be nice if um, the eyes were always kind and sweet that looked on us. Um, 
and not so mistrustful. Maybe it's just like, I don't want to say it's like a ton of the times because pandemics and stuff, like disasters generally bring people together. And I think that's kind of what's, what, we're, what we're seeing is like this like unity behind a really terrible injustice mm-hmm. in the year 2020. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I think that's, that's happening, but you're also seeing like other communities kind of banding together to defend, I don't know what they're trying to defend, but it's, it's, they've made themselves in opposition to a movement for, for justice and for what's right. So does that make them wrong? Yes, that makes them wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's okay for people to accept that and to understand when they're wrong. Because, but it's, it, it can be a hard thing to do to recognize when you're wrong and to admit that. And um, we, have a, we have a president that doesn't do that, who can't admit when they're wrong. Uh, and I think that it's just down the president used to be an office where you could like revere it and like kind of measure yourself against that. And um, now it's become just like a regular ass racist dude. Um, What's he going to say next? He, yeah. People are far more comfortable kind of like being like him because he doesn't ask you to rise to, to an occasion. He asks you to like just be and to like stoop even or like whatever the case. Um, but I just want I just want to see some leadership in some way, and I don't know where it's coming from. Governor Cuomo is is pretty good about it, um, but I would love to see like leadership. That's what I really want is like leadership that makes me have faith in tomorrow, because there's not a soul right now that I can look to and be like, yeah, that person I'd follow. Yeah, and. Um, and there's there's certain people that are like you know have qualities, but you know I think Bernie was pretty good. Like I'd follow him, like even if he was wrong, I would rather follow him and his morality and his sense of right and justice. I would rather follow that um, towards something because I think you can adjust on the fly. But even if it's towards disaster, like I would much rather follow somebody like that than. Um, than anything else we kind of got. And, and that's, where's the leadership? Like, where's, where's that going to come from? Where's, where's, where's the next person that steps up and really takes it on their shoulders? Yeah. You know, I think with the, my philosophy of irreverentism that I've been working on is that I think that uh, it's a leaderless movement. It's, uh, I, I want us to come together to encourage and embrace each other's individuality as a group. And I believe that the future of humanity lies not with leaders, but with individuals that have their own moral compass. They're so set in themselves that we can all lead together. We can move forward as a group, but still in different directions, but as a collective and diverse whole. And I'm wondering if like right now we're seeing that happen is that there is no leadership there. It's, it's falling away. And I'm wondering like, but yet you still see groups of people taking to the streets in sheer chaos that somehow stay together and they stay organized. And, and are we seeing the times where we don't need leaders? We need, we need the group. Is, is it like, I, I just wonder if we're shifting into a more group led society, you know? That's, in, that, that's really interesting. Um, because I, yeah, I guess there wouldn't be room for, for, for like leaders, I mean, who is there really one single person that can encapsulate all the differing views of humanity? No, it's impossible. Like, um, you doing this allows me to kind of like be me, um, 
and that's that's there's so like the space for that to occur with every single person across humanity um and to be understood and like i you know what i miss is i miss like oprah mm-hmm. oprah would come on would would allow invite murderers on her show mm-hmm. like oh I, I killed my baby and <laughs> and you would be like and she would just be like, yeah, like, why did you do it? Like, what were you thinking? Must be hard. Mm-hmm. And she would, like, give these people and they would, we would all hear them. And we would hear these people live their truth and, like, live with their regret and all that stuff. But now we live in a society where everything's kind of, like, like there's a veneer of, yeah. of falsity. And that shit is so annoying because you're like, where's the real people? And if you're real in any case, in any sense of the word, you're shamed for it. You can't be real anymore. You can't be a person. And shame is like the weapon. And, but then you, you, 10 years ago with Oprah, with, with Maury, with, you know, Montel, with all these talk show people, like they would bring on Jerry Springer. They would bring on like all the different aspects of society and you would get to like sit there and yeah, judge them, but then you'd hear them talk and you would start to like be like, oh, oh, vampires really aren't that bad. (laughs) Whatever the case, you know. And, uh. And that, I, where is that? Like these communities, you almost have to like go like onto like the weird threads of Craigslist or Reddit or something, and like kind of find a community. But like, that's what I—I I mean, that's what I personally think is 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 missing is is the reality of what it means to be human. Um, See that—that's crazy. Go ahead. I, was just, I, I have nothing else to add to that, really. <laughs> it's crazy, man, like, you, that you bring that, like, almost verbatim, you're saying things that I've said in the past, like, with the reverentism, is that shame is the tool that keeps us all in line. Because we're afraid of, like, people are happiest when they are their truest self, right? Like, and, and we have all of these problems, societal issues, because society is, like, trying to smash everybody into this like one box of whatever the fuck normalcy is like what even is normal you know like we are living in an abnormal world that is forcing us to be whatever there is no one size fits all and that's like irreverentism is all about individuality dropping the shame and coming together in groups like man you want to dress up and go crazy and go out and like just make a big scene like a lot of people are scared to do that like why like you just brighten someone's day by like dressing up and getting weird and going out and having fun like but then the shame kicks in and they're like what will people think of me Uh, but it's like the more people we have coming together as groups and saying like what do you want to do? What truth do you want to live? What do you want to project today? Like, fucking do that, and I support you, and you support me, and together, like, we're going to bring some fucking light to this world. And, and you know, and it's like you said, yeah, I think the problem today is, and I like that you said it earlier, is, like, you don't block people, and, and I don't either. Like, I, I let everybody free platform, say what they need to say, and the problem is, is that we have all this power to edit our reality, literally. It, on social media, you have the power to cut and choose which perspectives you only see. And then you create this echo chamber. Then, then you start thinking that's the only way the world is. But that we can't do that. We got to stop blocking people. We got to engage people like, oh, man, you said that. That's fucked up. Like, you want to tell me, like, why you said that? Like, anytime I dig, somebody comes at me really hard on social media. And then I just respond with compassion and say, like, hey, 
so why, you know, let's, let's open this up a little bit. Like, why did you say that? And then nine times out of 10, I end up having this very genuine, meaningful interaction and connection with this person. Whereas I could have just said, fuck you. And then been done with it, you know? And then that would be the end of that story. But it's like, we have to start like engaging and being genuine and real with each other. Well, there's two, two aspects of that, right? Um, one, the person that's attacking you probably just wanted to be heard in mm-hmm. some manner. Yep. But two, like, why is that your responsibility? Mm-hmm. That's why true. is that your responsibility to, like, to, to converse with these people who are attacking you? And if we look at the first thing, the first point, it's like, oh, because they just want to be heard, and that's the way they're going about it. Maybe, but I, I think the idea of responsibility needs to be questioned because uh, at the end of the day, like, I don't, I shouldn't, I, I think that's the big problem with everything. Like, it's not my responsibility to be informed about black people. But it's not black people's responsibility to, inf- to, to, to do the work to inform me about them. So, like, where, where, That's a really good what point. happens? Yeah. Is it like, oh, if I'm in tune with humanity, then I'll kind of, like, if I know what's important, if my priorities are right, and I've understood that community and people um, are all that are the important things in life, and that my job that's just trying to, like, push me um, push me and, and, and get as much out of me as they can for my small little wage, um, isn't important though. I place great importance on it. Um, I, I, I honestly don't know because responsibility means work. Yeah. Because what you have to do is you have to sit there and you have to go like, fuck, this guy pisses me off. Or like, he really, that actually kind of hurt. And, but I'm going to like, I'm going to tell him actually, I'm going to tell him that that's like not really nice to say. And, and, and I'm going to ask him why you said it. Um, and then you dedicate an hour, an hour and a half, two hours to, of your time to this conversation with this random stranger who you may not know and may never see in your life. Um, what, why, why is that? Like, why? Yeah. Why not just ignore him? Dude, I like you, you asked the good questions. I like it because like, see, this is what like, I like even like I can have a stance there, and then and then you're throwing it back at me. Like, why is that? See, it's like this is this is exactly the kind of conversations we all need to be having because now you're making me think. It's like, yeah, you know, I don't know why. Yeah, because like you you put that on a grand scale, and then it just leads to burnout and overwhelm. Like, is it? Yeah, I I think on some level it's not everybody's responsibility to make everybody else be a better person. I think that it's, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe on some scale that can help, but I don't know. I don't know if that would lead to, oh man, you stumped me actually on that one. <laughs> I, I think, um, I got it. <laughs> I, here, okay. Maybe I can figure out the answer as talking through this. So I think that, um, Again, with like irreverentism is all about individuality, the individual growth, the self transformation. Uh, I think that only true change is only going to come through individual growth and individual uh, accountability. Um, so while it could be good to have, and maybe that person needed to, maybe that would be the catalyzing event in that person's life that actually set them on a different path. Maybe maybe that's why it's important. Because like they're running, they're living this pattern and they're, they're constantly spewing this code of hate and, and lashing out. And then one time they do that and then one person responds to them with kindness. Maybe that would just shatter their whole thing. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But it's, it, it's possible. 
I think that's a solid answer because I guess I have a fantasy that one day I'll grow into the person that every single person that ever met me is better for meeting me. And that's kind of a dream that I have is that like when I go to bed at the end of the night, there's not a person that I've met that could say anything bad about me. And, and some people have found some way to improve their mood or just by, just by coming into contact with me. And maybe that's just the way I want to be remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course it's still a fantasy. That's really like a, a hard thing to do to kind of walk through life and, um, and it's all about uh, taking um, calculated risk. Like, like I will not risk my heart and my mood and my in this moment because this person really is just out to hurt me. They're not trying to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I'll just bid them adieu <laughs> and I'll move on. But, like, um, that's kind of, I, I think, what I would like to walk through life as is like that person that um never said of you know never like okay like he has his opinions and all that stuff but if you ever meet him like he gives the best hugs like he he he'll listen to you like um he knows exactly what to say or you know like those kinds of things Mm -hmm. it would be really nice that like when i died say and everybody's talking at my funeral they're like wow that like we really lost a treasure because this person was good to everybody. And I think that would be awesome. Well, you know, I mean, Uh, like you're, you're already there to acknowledge that and make that a goal in life for, in your personal accountability, then you've already, you've already won because you, you, you can, you have enough clarity to see that that's the person that I want to be. And then all of that is now you just, just have to make decisions based on that operating that, that thought, you know, like, and boom. The, the hard work is being able to like actually acknowledge that I want to be a good person in all circumstances and situations. I think, you know, it's, it's like, it doesn't seem like, like you and I are already at a point in our lives where we want to be those types of people, but there are people that life sometimes doesn't necessarily allow them to even, uh, become those kinds of people. And that's another thing of the system was keeping people distracted and poor and and so that nobody has time to focus on themselves that's the that's the real issue we've set up a society that nobody has time to actually be good people like efficiency is killing us overnight shipping do we really need fucking overnight shipping like do we need like same day shipping sorry like same day you order something online and it's there like it's like i I don't know man like it's like efficiency is like the whole system is so fragile because it's like how can we do this faster better and then at the cost of human life that's true i i I didn't even think about that but like yeah not only are you going to work to like perpetuate that but then you go home and now you're you're home and life there has to be filled with something all the time like you there has to always be something or else or else what like or else what yeah (laughs) you don't even want to Stop to, 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 to find out. <laughs> yeah. we, we've been so far removed from ourselves that like we seriously like that's, you know, I spent like seven years being an alcoholic is because like I was trying to escape myself. Like, like all of us are trying to get away from ourselves. Like how can we expect to be good people to other people if we can't even like sit with ourselves for just like five minutes, you know? Well, do you find, so you're an artist. Uh, I found I I'm, I'm met a bunch of deadlines recently. Um, I'm actually free and clear in terms of kind of writing. Um, so I just upgraded my sound and like camera and lighting stuff. I'm going to start shooting again. 
Um, but in the meantime, while that's all happening, I have time on my hands and I feel like I can't even, I have to fill the time with art. I feel the need to like write and explore some things. I'm wondering if I'm using that as kind of an escape or if it's become something kind of like um, neurotic for me or if, it, if like now I'm wondering like, how, how do I, like what, 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 what parts me and what parts training yeah. You know? Well, you know, what I've learned about art is that uh, since I've become like spiritual, like I, I already I always inherently knew this, like I, I could only be an artist, I could only create like, it's not it's not a choice for me. It's something that I have to do. You know, um, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. And now I realize now that I've gotten spiritual is that <clears throat> as artists, we are we take energies and just like you said earlier you took all those situations that happened to you and then you might not have been able to talk to them about it something but you took that and you transmuted that into a script which would be disseminated to other people and it would help them process their own problems and it would relate with them because you took your pain and you transmuted it into uh so, so we are we are as artists we take in the energy and then we we're input output devices and and i think it's very spiritual and i think it's very important and i think uh, people say, I'm not creative person. And it's like, but no, everybody is. You just haven't had the time to explore your own creativity and know that whatever you do that you gravitate towards that makes you happy, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And so I think like the more you do art, like I don't, I don't, I don't think you should ever view your art as it, as long as you're having fun and it feel it makes you happy, then art is never a bad thing or it's never like neurotic. It's like, you're just, you're living your truth and you're expressing yourself. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm like over here like, oh my God, did I make the right decision? <laughs> you absolutely did. I, I, I can tell you, man, if you're following your heart and you're, you're following your art, man, they come from the same place. And, you know, it, and, and it's the, the times that I find as an artist when I'm in most duress is when I've forgotten to have fun creating, you know, when it's become a job or when it's, you know, so... It, it sounds so simple, but just have fun and remember to have fun with your art and, and that, and everything will work out for you. Oh, and there was a point I wanted to make uh, about social media too, is that, you know, you're like spending an hour having a, an interaction with someone, uh, that, you know, do you, do you feel responsible for that? And then it's like, I kind of thought like, well, I mean, how long do we spend on our phones and social media anyways? And what actually are we accomplishing? Like maybe spending that hour to have a genuine human connection with somebody is time much better spent than scrolling through selfies and this and that, you know, like maybe, maybe that's a better use of social media time. I don't know. That's a very valid point for sure. That's a very, valid, I mean, I find, I find uh, when I have those conversations, it is fulfilling to me. Mm-hmm. So I think I've discounted that when I asked you that question is like, there's something that I get from it. Yeah, absolutely. And, but I'm glad that you asked that question because like that got me to think of it in a different way. And that's, that's another thing, like these skills that people can develop is be excited for someone to challenge your stance in welcome a different perspective, welcome 
someone challenging you, making you think. Because when you think, like you come to new ideas, you see new things, you learn new things. Like when I got spiritual, the most exciting thing for me was to start learning again. I started reading books. I started watching documentaries. I was like just absorbing this information. And just learning was so rewarding and fulfilling to me. So once you, the more you expand your perspective, the more you can see life from all angles. And the more you can float easily to understand other people because you're, you're, you're not tethered to one perspective. Do you have um, like a morning routine or like a set of like things that you think about when you start your day before you like go out and like, or, you know, live? Is there like a mantra or the most important things that you have that must be done for you to have like the day? Uh, meditation is uh, really, really important. And it's a thing that I want to help try to like with the reverentism and stuff. I've been, uh, we're, we're missing a spiritual element because it's been, we've been gaslit out of spirituality by like hardcore Christianity and bigotry and all this like nasty stuff. Like mankind has ruined spirituality, you know, like in the name of mankind and greed and all this stuff. So then everybody strays away from it. But I like, there are all of these quantum rules to our reality that we can like manipulate and manifest. Like when I started being guided by, like I call it the unseen, but spirit, uh, there are these archetypal energies. And I know we're sort of devolving out from the conversation now, but uh, I, like th that uh, they, they, they actually help us. Like it's what we, like the inner monologue that you're here in your head. Like these are actual energies. These are ancestors. And, and that's another thing is ancestral healing is incredibly important, but nobody is doing it right now. Uh, all of the cultures in the past, they all had rituals to um, honor their ancestors and help heal their ancestors. Like in Africa, uh, the, the, when they went to war, the warriors would come back and they would live a month with a shaman before returning to the village so that the shaman could help purge the trauma and help them like take that out before they returned to society. That's insane. Yeah, and it's like all of these practices that like, and we just think, oh, they were uncivilized and they, they didn't like, yeah, the, none of that stuff is real. But I'm telling you, it is real. And until like, if we start adopting those practices and develop them for the modern era, then we're going to start to see like, that's why we seem to can't, we have to heal the past. We have to heal our ancestors because we're not only in, in like even genetically like this is science this is i love to do i love to mix science and spirituality and like genetically trauma is encoded in your dna alcoholism it's an ancestral disease like it, like and how does that happen it's like because the trauma of someone was embedded in their code and they passed it through their genes to the next generation like that right there is proof that like trauma itself gets encoded into our actual dna it's, it's, it's like experiencing experience is its own radiation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely. Like, uh, I will evolve and change and pass on because of like, yeah, the events to, and that will make my uh, offspring either stronger or more susceptible or more. That's so interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's all these, all these, we got to start looking at life and, and our, ourselves in new ways because we can't fix our problems with the same thinking that used to create them. I, I, uh, I go see the Solador, which is like, I think the actual, like the literal translation from Spanish is a Mexican bone setter. And um, I, got, I had some injuries um, <clears throat> from like uh, track and, and uh, basketball and stuff through the, through the years. 
And um, yeah, he just said, whatever it take it took to get your body in this, like this fucked up, mm-hmm. I will have to like do to you in the opposite direction to fix it. Mm. And it is, if you've never been to a Salvador, I'd highly recommend it. Um, but it, just prepare for like an hour of pain. Wow. Um, and I mean, he did some things to my ankles because my, he, I didn't even have to tell him where to go. Mm-hmm. Like he just kind of like felt, okay, ankles. And then like he dug in and I screamed, I cried. It was terrible. Um, but immediately after, like I'd torn my hamstring in a football game like the day before. The next week I was playing football again with a torn hamstring, like a grade two. And then the week after that, I was almost completely healed because I'd seen him uh, three weeks in a row. It was insane. But it's that thing. Like, it's it's exactly what you're saying. Like, you have to do, like, whatever that pain was. In order to fix it, you need something equal in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is terrible because it's not just black people being, having trauma visited upon them. It's everybody. Mm -hmm. It's everybody these days. Every single person is, like, suffering through some so i can only imagine like you know what these kids are going through right now um with school shootings with pandemics and uh, with with rioting and protests and looting in the streets and you know a uh a ineffective president uh and just like all the different things and all well, what kind of love are they gonna have to experience to fix all that you know yeah um yeah it's, I, it's, it's, it's okay no, you go. Oh, I was going to say, I, I, it's, it's interesting. I thought the spirituality aspect was sort of unrelated, but actually it's, I, I, hundred percent, I've, I've, it's, I have personal proof. Like I believe in magic and we are capable of magic and whatever you, however you want to label it, it's true. But throughout history, we've actually, we've been robbed of magic. Like our ancient ancestors and stuff, like colonialism came through and fucked everything. And then they, fo- they forced people to forget their culture, forget their magic and and it, like basically tried to erase it from history. Like, why did they do that? You know, like it, even fucking like in China, like the um, the Xin Yun. It's it's based on um, fuck. Why can't I remember the 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 teaching now? But it's a it, it's all based on a meditative dance, right? And uh, these like they get into these meditative states doing this dance. It's like fucking dance magic. But the Chinese government is actually rounding them up, killing them, harvesting their organs, and trying to like quell the, try to erase the entire knowledge of that. Like there's something, there's something on the, the, this globe that wants to extinguish the magic and the soul of humanity. And, and, and this, is, this is what we need to fight back against and remember our magic and remember what we're capable of. That uh, <laughs> I, uh, I I'm working on a a a book right now. Um, I've never written a novel or anything like that. I've tried, uh, and it's about magic. It's about yeah. It's it's going to be called uh, the Tome of the Magician, and it's going to be like as long as I could possibly make it. That's going to be like the selling point, and it's gonna and you've just given me like. <laughs> you just give me so much, but uh, on a on a separate kind of um, but similar note, like how do you? I feel I feel personally I feel robbed. I've been feeling robbed for a long time. Um, in terms of like magic and spirituality and like ancestral uh, connection, um, I I I am the luckiest unlucky guy in in the world. 
Um, I spun out in 405 not too long ago and like crashed into a wall. The only thing that happened was I just needed to replace my bumper. Like that's a freeway accident wow. going 70 miles per hour. Wow. And, and I'm just like, and I tell people and they're like, you're so lucky. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm really like, and, uh, so I had a friend go like, um, yeah, your, your guardian angels, your, your ancestors are working overtime. And I'm like, I, I wouldn't know. I have no knowledge on how to like connect to connect. I, I know, I know how to meditate. That's not the same thing. Like, wh- how do I open up those doors and like open up those channels to start kind of receiving what I know is like a facet of life. And I think that it's been denied and rejected as a facet of life for so long that a lot of people don't even question it. Like there's no magic or there's no, there's no connection. I think it's specifically in this culture, every other culture, tends to have some kind of like uh, shrines and stuff to, 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 to grandmothers and grandfathers. Mm-hmm. I don't, Dude. when I was uh, back home, the UFW thing, I went to a friend's house and he had like picture, a picture of Cesar Chavez, his grandmother and, uh, and um, uh, Robert Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had the UFW flag right there. And I'm just like seeing all these connections to his, ancestors in material ways yeah it's oh my god i have so much to talk i'm glad that like we'll 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 dive into it like way more like off the podcast and stuff but i so i have i have an altar uh and i can i can give you tips and stuff but like i actually like the way that they taught us and the way that like randy like channel and stuff they actually taught like i said through african deities so i have like altars too like ogu and shango and all of these like ancient yoruban deities that i work with and um they like so Rani throws bones. Uh, she's a bone diviner. And after this, like, y- you got to get a reading from her because, like, that is, ex- you're like, how can I open this door? That is exactly, like, she, her ancestors and spirit guides talk to your ancestors and spirit guides, and then they put messages in the bones, and then she relays those messages to you, and they, she can help you connect with your ancestors. And you're I'm magic. coming over right now. Okay, right on. Dude, actually, like, when we get off, like, I'll, uh, I'll ask her. She's been doing readings on Zoom for people. So if you're free the rest of the day, uh, I don't believe in coincidence. There is no such thing. Uh, everything, we have free will, but we're navigating it in a system that is, there are lots of many spiritual things behind the scenes that are running things. So this, this was supposed to happen. This is no accident. We were supposed to have this wonderful conversation, have this beautiful moment of genuine human connection that we're going to share with the world. And then it all led up to this moment where you have been looking for ways to contact, connect with your magic and your ancestors. And now look, after this, you're going to, you're going to do just that. <laughs> thank you man thank you for this like beautiful connection like i it really it fills my heart and and i this is what we need we need connection and and that's what's going to take it get us through these dark times in the right way did you read that article about um they said that in like 1977 there was a blackout in new york and a bunch of looting happened and then, and then like the number of DJs went from like just one in the neighborhood to like 20 Yeah, and the equipment they, yeah. you read this thing? Yeah. I, I, it was yeah. like, oh, they, they invented hit, like hip hop was created from like, I was like, oh man, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, dude, absolutely. And I, I don't think that was any accident, man. That was the, and that's the thing is like to get us through this, like I want, I want to help the movement connect with its magic because 
I, I'm telling you right now, like the people at the top running this shit show that we're in right now, they know magic is very real. There's all these like conspiracy theories about like satan- satanic cults and shit at the top, like high society. That shit is real. Like, I, I, like it sounds they've they've hit us with so much bogus disinformation that when you you speak the truth or even scratch at it, you sound like a fucking crazy person. But there are laws that our reality works on that they have robbed from us. And if we, if the people and anybody can do this, and if we reharness our magic, we are absolutely unstoppable because there are forces out there that want to work with us. They've been waiting there. See, and it's the thing is like. I don't look at these archetypal energies or deities. Like I don't look at it as worshiping them. It's they're they're ancient, energetic, cosmic teachers that are here to guide us, and and we're uh, supposed to be able to make our own decisions and fail and stuff and to learn. So they're not going to do the work for us. But if we make these connections, they actually absolutely one hundred percent they they help us through life. We just have to reopen that door and believe that it, the connection is possible. That's so beautiful. <laughs> I, I feel like I've always, there was always something in, 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 I've never not doubted like a presence, presences, um, or like a connection, um, a thread that runs through everything. Um, but I, I just, I feel, I feel as though there's people out there that, yeah, they've, they've never experienced that or they've never even touched it. And I think maybe I could have closed myself off to it. I think, but and maybe there's people that did, but I think I'm very lucky to have always kind of had something. I don't know, man. Well, you know, I'm telling you, it's the, I just started reading an article, uh, but it, the, the thing is, is that uh, monotheism and Christianity and this stuff, it, it was by design. And it, it, Christianity is like, this is a whole other, I'll try to be concise, but uh, originally Christianity was all about ascension, personal ascension, and uh, like, Basically, like anybody could have the powers of Jesus. He was trying to show people like this is what's possible. And then the Romans were like, oh, fuck, no, we can't have like everybody being fucking Jesuses around here. So they killed him (laughs) and they fucking seriously, they like stop. They stamped that shit out. And then it was the biggest smear campaign in history. They rewrote the rules to be. They took out all the books and shit that was like, hey, this is how you can get these powers and, and ascend. Uh, and then they subverted it all to like, there is one God, you are born into sin, you're a lowly piece of shit, and you must spend your entire life in repentance from being a lowly piece of shit. And, and it's like, so that's what was internalized into culture is that, oh, we just have to just be good and like, uh, you know, God will like... Uh, you know, uh, you know, there's heaven and hell. It is, it's so much more complicated than that. And it's like, and people can have magical powers. People can have uh, extraordinary abilities, but we've just been, it's been subverted. The message has been subverted. So we have to like undo the bullshit that Christianity has, has done and colonialism and, and all that. It's, it's all connected, man. Well, so then what, what, what's kind of, it sounds like is like a structureless, um, kind of society in a sense mm-hmm. or is that too broad like uh wh- where we're moving towards or or what do you mean well when i think about that so i remember doing this paper for when i was in college a sociology paper and it was totally off topic it was called the evolution of god and it talked about the um the how there was a god in everything so like that rock there's a God inside that rock. There's a spirit inside that tree specifically. Mm-hmm. And you would have every, and then it became, and then it morphed into, well, there's a God of all lakes and all water bodies of water. There's a God of all rocks. There's a God of all trees, just one. And then 
um, as kind of like the shape of civilization changed and um, it became monotheistic, where it was like, no, there's one God and there's no other God. There's just one God that controls everything. Um, but then you see that like trickle down into like homes, where the man of the house becomes God of that house and is like, I can choose to give or to, uh, or to take away um, depending on how you worship me and how you love me. Um, and I can give you love and, and, and intimacy and I can give you money. I can give you a car. I can give you, I can give you food. I can give you all these things or I can take it away and you're punished because you just, you know, you disobeyed me. Um, so like, I feel like that's kind of like, there's a correlation between like the structure of like, um, family life and the structure of government and the stru- as we've come to redefine what God is. Yeah. But then if you were to like take that away, it's like, Oh, like, well, my kids, I, I'm going to do for, for, for me and mine and my kids are going to do their thing. My wife is going to do her thing. My, um, and like, there's just going to be kind of like a structureless, but like a trusting and a loving relationship between all of us. Yeah. That's and that will spread out. Yeah, because that's because when you connect to your own magic. So here's the thing: is like most people would call this blasphemous, but that our eternal, like our minds are infinite, and and we just our bodies are like we just plug into these are physical spacesuits. So our mind continue like once the the suit wears out, our mind like unplugs and it can plug back in again, and that's reincarnation. We keep learning each time. Um, but so the think of it like this, like everything is, they have a saying in, uh, in the Kabbalion, like the all is mind. So imagine that every single thing that we're in right now, we're in the giant mind of some great cosmic being. And that's what they call source. So the source, and, and also that could be confused with the monotheistic Christian God. Um, but source is actually the objective container of everything. So source, I think it doesn't have any uh, like yin and yang are so such important forces uh, in like the struggle, you know, like good and evil, uh, dark and light, like they drive progress. They give each other a purpose. So uh, the, there is no real necessarily like good and evil. There is just there is there's purpose, I guess, in a sense. And this objective container that we live in that is source, it, it, it is all things. It's like the best way I can describe it is like if you imagine a story in your head, you've created characters, you've thought you've created a scene, you're, you're telling a story in your mind. Right. And then at some point, mm-hmm. those cre- those characters start to take on a life of their own and, and they mm-hmm. tell their own stories. So we're living in this amazing like mind of this cosmic being that we have given full autonomy to tell the story that we want to tell within the container of this giant giant mind is what the way that I start to look at things. So I'm so curious about other creatures, other aliens. <laughs> yeah, so and it was, and that's the thing is that oh, that was my point is that our in, our individual minds we can ascend is like is if we just learn the right things and ascend we can become what is essentially called gods and and those in the gods of the past were people just like or minds just like us that have ascended and then they're influencing reality from a higher plane of existence so the all the stories you hear about this god was actually it was actually a deity an energy that was affecting the world but the all of the major religions around the world are all one interconnected story of just different names for different deities that are experienced. It's it's all mankind's interaction between the divine and and being here in the material world. 
Um, but you know, there's a, I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but you know, there's a brief broad overview of like the way that I'm starting to figure out spirituality. Um, and it's, a, it's an empowering spirituality because it says that you don't bow to any masters. You don't worship anything you respect. Like you look at the gods as, as awesome ancient teachers. And what do you do for your teacher? You respect your teacher, of course, but do you get down and worship the, the feet of your teacher? You know, no. And it's, it's not about, like, there are entities that want to dominate and want to control, but the real truth of life is that everybody should be free and an in individual to grow and, and express themselves and become whatever manifestation of themselves that they want to become. Did, did you just say, God, like, God or whatever that deity entity is, is a teacher? Yeah. Is that what you... Yeah. Like, look at gods as that's, teachers, and it makes so much more that's sense. That's awesome. That's really, really, really awesome. Yeah. When I had that re realization, wow. I was like, holy shit. Because like when they were teaching us, because Randy can actually channel messages from these like energies and they were teaching us. And then like it got to this point, I was like, because they were encouraging me to like be my own self. And so, and I was like, well, then what, what am I supposed to like? How am I supposed to? What's my relationship with you guys? You know, like if, if I'm not supposed to worship you. And then I was like, oh, fuck, they're just teachers. And then it's just like everything makes sense, man. Like. It reminds me of uh, Mulan, like, I'm the great stone dragon. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, man. And, and that's, that's really what I'm trying to do with the reverentism is to reach out to people and show them that there is a divine spark in everybody. And if you can cultivate that spark into a divine flame and a divine inferno, and anyone can do this. That's why no one is above anyone. We're all truly equal but society has set up a system to make some people less than others. But, you know, and we have to work to undo that so that everybody can see that there's a divine spark in every single person. And that's why I love fucking love people, man. I love diversity. I love all of the different manifestations of people and culture. And, and I like how anyone can like not be just in awe of the beauty of culture and, and it just blows my mind. And so that's why I'm trying to do everything I can to work towards a culture where people are just in awe of the beauty that is around them every single day. Especially in, in this world of globalization, as these things become closer to becoming extinct, I, I think it's like there's a real danger that, um, that the Americanization and the globalization of uh, creates... I, I just talk to people and they're like, oh, when I travel around the world, it's not like it used to be. Mm -hmm. When I travel, it's like I'm going to like a different aspect of like what American America could be. Yeah. And I'm like, that's interesting because I never would have thought it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go to, you know, Egypt. And then like, you, you know, I went to Argentina last year for the first time ever out of the country. And I was like kind of wowed and awestruck. And the guy I was with um, was like, yeah, it's not the same as it used to be. He used to be a pilot, so he's a producer-director. So he used to be a pilot, and he'd fly all over the place. Wow. And um, that was like you would walk into a place, and like it wouldn't be so um, approachable, like the idea of travel. Mm -hmm. Like not only was there danger, but there was like um, – it was just a completely different world you were walking into. And now like to go to those different worlds, you kind of have to um, – you know, have a guide or something. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you see, like I went to New Orleans too. Um, and, you know, there's like the reputation for, uh, for, I guess, voodoo, hoodoo, that kind of stuff. And um, now it's kind of 
just kind of for fun and commercialized. But I know that there was some truth and some like deeper kind of like practice behind all that. But like it's impossible to it's impossible to go in there and and see what that is. And maybe that's not at the same time, maybe it's not appropriate and maybe it's not okay for me to be in those spaces in the first place anyway. But um Oh that's but at the end of the day like Okay. You can finish it. I was going to say that uh, at the end of the day, like, um, I forgot. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, well, that, that brings up a really interesting point because like Ran and I had kind of, that is, that is how these deities, these energies, like they taught us, uh, they started in voodoo because all of this started when we went to new Orleans and I'm actually, I'm making a docuseries about it cause I was filming the whole process, but, um, they, they started teaching us, uh, voodoo first. And, and then they taught us the roots and where it came from in Yoruba land and Ifa and all these divining traditions. And I learned so much about culture and, and, but uh, all along the way, I was always like, well, this is, I feel kind of weird about this because like, I'm a white person, but I'm essentially practicing voodoo, you know? And, and, but they, they were assuring us through the process. It's like, you know, there's, there is deep truths in that, in the roots of, the system and i think that that was some of the most powerful systems of magic and stuff and if you look back at the the roots like i think that's the truest source to uh i think possibly that we were an there were ancient civilizations that were like really way far advanced than we are now and i think that like the, we have to pick through the our roots and of uh, the the global roots and rekindle that magic and because i wonder yeah and it's like and i still feel kind of strange about it it's like I don't know why that they picked voodoo deities and things to and and you know to to teach us. I don't know, but I, and but I work with those deities and and those energies and and I've I've developed a, a true genuine relationship with them. Um, and but they're they're so smart. They always have a plan. And and so I think that the reason why they picked those deities and they showed us this and that for like, there's a reason for it. And it, I'm sure it'll become apparent at some point, but, uh, I, I don't know. It's because yeah, the, you, you, you see, I don't know, white people and stuff trying to like get into voodoo and hoodoo as some like kind of novelty and stuff. And I don't look like, I don't look at it that at all. I give it the, the respect and, and, uh, appreciation that like, because like it's, I know it's, a genuine practice, you know, and it's something that I never would have just picked up on my own, but I was, I was literally taught from the deities of these, these things. So it's like, why is that? I don't, I don't, I still don't know, but I feel like as now, now the conversation of race is becoming a thing, like, uh, it's on the forefront. I, I feel like it's probably tied into that somehow. And maybe eventually I'll realize why, you know, I, I don't know. You're talking about these deities and I'm still, I still haven't talked to mine. So you, you, I, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Well, I, I like... think on that note, let's, let's, uh, yeah, you should, yeah, well, I'll, I'll go talk to Randy. Let's get you a bone reading. I've, well, I've tried to look into like shamanism and stuff like that. I've tried to, um, and like kind of like meeting your spirit animals and like envisioning like the place that you get to go to. That's like your, your like, I guess, I don't know, not safe place, but like your, yeah. You know what's... Um, I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I've, I've been um, been searching for sure, yeah, for, for years now, really. I don't think it's ever stopped. Dude, you know what's really interesting is that the first time I met you, I turned you into a life warrior that had roots growing out of him. 
Yes. <laughs> so I'm telling you, man, that is there's no accident in that. Like you, you are a life warrior, and and I, I, I think I, undoubtedly life is about to get much more magical for you. Like because like I, I know the just the awesome, amazing, magical world that we live in, and and for you to be open and looking for that, dude, you, I'm so excited for you to con- like make these connections and stuff. Like it is, it is so it is that chunk of your life that you've spent your entire life. Like, what do I fill this with? It's that. That's exciting. I think, um, well, when I, when I talk to people or like, uh, about these kinds of things, uh, a lot of people do have some kind of system in place. Um, so it's really cool that you, that you, you found, I mean, what, what, what was your interest in? Did you just end up in New Orleans? It's like, Hey, let's try this thing. Or was it kind of a, no. So I was there, uh, we were there for, I was doing makeup for, uh, uh, Krylon, the makeup company. And then while we were there, Randy just started channeling, uh, spirits and she had knowledge of the city that there's no way that she would have known at all. So we basically had a tour guide. Yeah. And and then like we left this bar and then this lady pulled up on a bike and then Randy just immediately walks up to this lady and starts talking to her. And then this lady just starts busting out crying and then i'm like what's happening right now and i'm i was filming something else so i started filming this and i talked to her friend and then she was like oh her mom just died like last night and then randy was like it's okay i'm gonna take care of it for you and then like randy herself this has never happened and she's like uh after the, we woke up the next morning she's like what the fuck happened last night and then from then on she just started channeling and channeling like all these new orleans spirits and they were like amazing spirits and then they came back with us and then they taught us how to like spiritually cleanse the house. And then it was like, then it was, it went from like, okay, these spirits like introduced us to the archetypal energies. And then they were teaching us all this stuff. So they radically reshaped our lives. They helped me get sober. That's why I'm sober now is because of these spirits. And it's like, and then since then they've just been guiding me and putting me in touch with my, my, uh, just magic. And, and my life is like, it's, it's an adventure every day now, man. Like it's, it's, it's amazing. Ah. It sounds like, uh, it sounds honestly like the cure to like, say like depression or something. Like, it is, oh, just yeah. get in touch with your. It's exactly that, man. And they, they've taught me about spiritual alchemy and, and it's like, it's, it's all these things. And uh, dude, I, here's the thing. Yeah. I'll like, we'll, we'll put you in touch with Randy and then like, we'll come back and then we'll do a whole separate episode on, uh, spirituality and stuff and, and we'll crack that nut open and stuff. So, yeah, more than more than we just got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, is it, was there anything that you would like to add? Um, like, uh, do you want to give? Because I'm hoping that this podcast reaches people on the front lines and people in the movement. And do you want any uh, offer any words of encouragement or uh, anything you want to say? Um, I one of my favorite things to um, to see when people have these stories of like the front lines is um, the conversations they have with the police, with the national guard, the attempts at um, uh, drawing out some kind of humanity. Um, The questions they ask, Hey, like, don't you, where do you live? Where are you from? Do you have family? Like, have you ever been like when you were tear gassed for training, did you think you'd ever do it on civilians? Like there's, there's like um, questions that they ask, um, that kind of, I think, opens not just their eyes, but like just kind of makes the people 
at these protests open up and realize on a deeper level that this is wrong, every step of it. And I would say, like, that would be what I would love to, to see if I, if, and, and hear about and kind of experience is not necessarily a hostile um, kind of battle between, you know, the cops and protesters, but just kind of like this con- continuous picking at these people's humanity because maybe just maybe you'll open the eyes of some of these people if you can just ask them who their family is, where are they from? Did they ever think they'd be doing this on the job? Did they ever picture tanks in their neighborhood? Um, and maybe, you know, maybe you can start to change some hearts and minds along those, you know, lines. And some people might decide that what they're doing and where they're at isn't the right way to protect their communities like they could probably got into it to do. Wow. That's beautiful, man. I never, never, that never occurred to me. And I think that's really, that ties into everything we've been talking about. And if we could chip away that programming and get to what it means to be human again, I think that, that that's really powerful, man. So, uh, where can people find you online? And like, like you got any, um, where can they see your work and all that jazz? I, I try to keep my stuff pretty secret. I don't know why. I don't know, I don't okay. know why. I don't know why. This, is, okay. no uh, this year is the first year I've ever actually um, submitted to... Uh, I, I, I wrote a bunch of scripts, submitted them to competitions. It's the first year I've ever been, done that. Um, because I think I didn't really want to be successful, although I wanted to tell stories. Mm-hmm. So now I think I want to be successful. So I'll, I'll go ahead and invest some time into a website. And, and then I'll just have a website that people can read my stuff at and watch my videos. Um, until then, you know, you can message me privately and <laughs> I'm Alexander Ray Williams on Instagram and, uh, same thing on Facebook. And those are the ways I don't really use Instagram. Yeah. So, <laughs> right on. That whole thing, that whole thing to say, like, um, I, I want that maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Cool. Well, I just wanted to ask, uh, you know, just to help everybody get, get seen and everything. So spread the word connection but uh dude thank you so much this has been like a, a amazing conversation like i i'm i'm just like buzzing with energy right now so th- thank you well thank you thank you for in- inviting me on and all that and i i agree this i didn't expect this conversation to be what it was so it's 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 blown my mind in in all the different ways <laughs> i'm telling you man we just gotta we gotta remember that we that magic is real so if you're a person of color and you'd like to come on the show and tell me your story then uh email me at signeutron at gmail.com also if you're a musician and you're writing any music related to the revolution the struggle anything anything that's uplifting for people that are out there fighting the good fight right now uh send it my way signeutron at gmail.com and uh was there something else I wanted to say? Oh.
Oh, right. And uh, yeah, if there's anything important regarding the protests or the movement that you need to pass a message to literally globally, this podcast goes out to everywhere, uh, all over the world, uh, then send me a message. If you, if you don't have time to guest, you can just record something on your phone and uh, I'll play it on, on here because I think it's it, communication during this time is so important. And I want to do everything I can to help keep unity and, and inspire morale. So... So to everybody out there fighting the good fight in their own way, keep it up, man, because there's a, there's a brighter day just on the horizon for all of us.